I'm wearing my headphones on uh, my testicles. That's cool. <laughs> I get the Ooh, vibrations it, it, through there. It's it's actually like it's it's the full uh, surround sound experience. Is it so that your balls get like can hear Mozart, and then so when they come out later, they're like a little bit smarter than they were? No, I don't when listen to crowd music. Come out? Yes, <laughs> I do. When they come you out, listen to the you listen to Mozart on your balls. No, I'm just, I just no, I listen to Kraftwerk no, on my I, balls. No, no, they mm-hmm. go out, they no. cause mischief. I, they come I back. listen to American artists only, so I get Steve Reich, mm. I get the Kronos Quartet, uh, and of course Leonard Bernstein and right. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds. But Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that you can listen to on your balls. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And uh, trapped here in the apartment with us today is Matt Barbeau. The only Puerto Rican these guys know. <laughs> <laughs> And we're off! <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> we have torpedoed the whole podcast. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't even know where to go. This is the one. greatest. I, I think we're done. That's great. That's yeah. it. That's we all our yeah, thoughts well, on that oh story. God. They're yeah. letting me go. <laughs> <laughs> and now we don't know any Puerto Ricans. It's, uh, <laughs> Matt, it's been so great working with you. It's been so great being your friend for these past 10 years. But would, we've we've decided like, to move like to... the podcast in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best American playwrights living today. Yeah, correct. Please. And he has also written uh, on topics that relate to what we're about to talk about today. That's right. Uh, Matt, one time so. you wrote a play that AJ was in and I directed. Yeah, that's true. We, and I saw it. There we go. <laughs> so this I is. I didn't actually see it because I was backstage. God damn it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, because you had another show. You were prepping to come out. I, um, made, I made AJ play um, biblical patriarch Abraham. Yes, yeah. yes. It was, oh, cool. it was wonderful. One of your many biblical plays. That's true. I write about the Bible a lot. Yeah, you're a regular Paul McCusker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that's accurate. <laughs> I'm positive. That's we gotta true. have you back on to talk about Odyssey. We gotta, yeah, we gotta. Oh, we're gonna. Oh. I can't. I can't be the only Catholic who goes through this. <laughs> uh, someday we'll do a Catholic Palooza on here, um, and then that'll be the, ne- the that'll be our last episode. Just like me, <laughs> me, AJ, and Francis. Yes. Oh, sweet we're, Francis. We're actually gonna get Pope Michael on to talk about Adventures in Odyssey. Oh my God! So <laughs> we have to oh, talk wow. about the Pope Michael documentary. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's we're gonna we're gonna have Matt on many times in yes. the future. Yes. <laughs> and the thing that we are talking about today is. West Side Story. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a place for Us. that. Mm. And it's here. Somewhere. Ooh. Well, it was like a week ago that West Side Story got released to streaming-ish. Week Disney yeah. Plus and HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we figured that now that we're in the, the throes of Oscar season, we might as well take a look at one of the biggest pieces of Oscar bait to come around this cycle. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Oh, oh man! Oh man! Already I don't know. So spicy. Yeah, I I don't. It didn't have a. It didn't have any Nazis in it. So I feel like that's mm. usually the big Oscar. Or, movie. Yeah. No. 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 Pretty person had to pretend to be ugly for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a um, hot fucking cast. Uh, one person had to pretend to act. 
<laughs> that was uh, we'll that was hard there. to watch. We'll get there. Oh, uh, so what happens when you put we, googly eyes on a slab we, of we meat? Are, <laughs> we are going to start the text sixteen year old girl. <laughs> yeah, just, oh boy! <laughs> We're going to start by talking about the history of West Side Story, which means <clears throat> in the sixteenth century, where did you uh, get that giant leather book? An Italian <laughs> monk named Matteo Bondello wrote a short novel called Romeus and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was a short novel guy. He just wrote a bunch of short novels. He was oh. about three inches tall. He, he was a regular, <laughs> like what I can imagine, he was sort of like Thomas Mann or, I don't know, Ray Bradbury. Sure. But in the 1500s. Yeah. Right. yeah. He was a very popular author. Yeah. And he inspired a lot of playwrights because that's what you did back then. You didn't have TV deals. You just had a playwright who didn't pay you any money. Uh, doing your play in another country. Right. Uh Um, Uh And so Romeo and Juliet is only one of the ones that Shakespeare himself adapted. Cymbeline also comes from him. Uh, The Claudio Hero plotline from Much Ado About Nothing. Twelfth Night. The Duchess of Malfi, which is written a little bit later than Shakespeare. Uh, Lope de Vega also adapted Romeo and Juliet. Castelvines y... I can't read my own writing. Never mind. (laughs) Monteses. Weird title. Uh... (laughs) Something about this story really sticks, right? Because yeah. Romeo and Juliet becomes like one of the top three plays produced in Shakespeare's day. Yep. Yeah. And then is just constantly produced all the way into the present, right? People can't get enough of it. Did we all uh, study Romeo and Juliet in yeah. school? Oh, absolutely. In high school? Like, yeah. I think for me it was eighth grade, but... Oh, okay, ninth grade for me. Yeah. yeah, that that was probably the first pair of breasts I saw. Oh, the in the, 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 the Zafrelli movie. Yeah. Yep. I, I studied, I think, in eighth grade, and then I and then we we actually did it in mm. in my um. It was like my senior year. Oh, what did you play? I played uh Capulet, like like Lord Capulet. Mm. Um, Papa yeah. Capulet. I yeah, AJ. I played. It was the last time I played an old man in high school. Uh, <laughs> before, oh my god! Before graduate. I, oh, that was that, that was your thing, school. wasn't it? Right. It you was were, absolutely my thing. And Josh like, was the same way. Old men in high school. Old men. Uh, mm. I, I was old men in college. That's cool. I was always I old man. Polonius, One right. of the reasons I no longer really act is just because I was, I didn't, it was like, I would have to wait until I was actually an old man yeah. now. Because 40 no years from now, young it's man. wild. Though. No, oh, yeah, like, no. Um, yeah. yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I had a weird callback where it was like me for uh, Lord Capulet and Mercutio and my teacher being like, Matt, <laughs> <laughs> you could play any of the roles in this play, but only you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Good god play. Oh. Juliet's dad I, I had the same fucking conversation yeah. on, at yeah. numerous points it was it was and, and I, I I don't know if that's just like a way of letting a kid down easy or if it genuinely is that like most kids don't have the ability to in any way shape or form range up age wise right I don't know no you're 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 very talented, but you're the only one that reads as an old man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in 1949, famed director and choreographer Jerome Robbins gets the idea to write a musical based on Romeo and Juliet. And he goes to his friend, Arthur Lawrence, who has just had a couple of hit plays. He also wrote uh, Rope with Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, that's right. The year before. And Jerome Robbins is like, hey, let's do Romeo and Juliet. But it's like a Jewish girl and a Catholic boy in the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like is one of those stories that gets repeated so much. It just sounds like complete theater myth bullshit that that West Side Story started as East Side Story. But it literally 
It was it was set on the Lower East Side. It was called East Side Story. They got Bernstein on board. Arthur Lawrence wrote like a draft of sort of an idea of what the libretto was going to be. And uh, everyone was just like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> there, there was already a hit play from the 20s about a Jewish girl dating a Catholic boy. They should have and, just adapted that. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah. th- that's what they felt. They were like, this just feels like that. So they abandoned it. And, you know, yeah. went on, did their own thing. They were all in Hollywood. Jerome Robbins was working on The King and I for the Little House of Uncle Thomas sequence. Uh, Leonard Bernstein was at the Hollywood Bowl conducting. And Lawrence was writing another screenplay. And they met up and there was some news story that they talked about that was about gangs and about gangs of of teenagers. You know, this was specifically like Chicano gangs. And so they got together and they thought, well, what if we applied the Romeo and Juliet thing to that? And Lawrence was like, well, I don't know anything about California, but I do know everything there is to know about Puerto Ricans in New York. (laughs) So uh, uh, that's what they decided to do. And they got uh, Stephen Sondheim to write the lyrics because Leonard Bernstein's not a lyricist. Sondheim had just had a musical fall through. He was doing a musical called Saturday Night with the surviving uh, Epstein brother, the the guys behind Casablanca, Julius Epstein and the other one. One of them was dead. They were making one of their plays into a musical and then their producer died of leukemia and then the show never got produced. And so Arthur Lawrence was like, hey, let's get my friend Steve on this. And uh, he was like, well, I got nothing else going on. <laughs> I'm 25 years old and my fucking Broadway musical has just collapsed. I'm what sure do I don't you have do a on a Saturday night alone. <laughs> you might as well be dead. And so they, you know, they made it. It my happened. career will never announce to nothing. Yeah. Stephen so, Sondheim, 1950. <laughs> I'm going to be only a lyricist from here on out. Oh, man, I'm 26 years old, about to have a show on Broadway. My career has stalled all the way out. Um, Never so heard from again. They did the nope. show. It did well. People kind of treat it like, it was, oh, it was revolutionary because of how it brought ballet and, and like sort of. But like no one really saw it that way at the time. It right. didn't have an overture. That was kind of interesting. The curtain just came up and it got into it. Yeah. Um, it ran for a couple of years. It was a normal, like successful 1950s musical run. It won two Tonys. Uh, it won for scenic design and uh, choreography. Okay. And then the conductor won an award, but I think that doesn't get tallied in as much because it's the conduct. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why they tally it the way that they do. But the Music Man came out that same season, so okay. that was the big show. Choreography makes sense. Oh, considering. Sure. Uh, and they didn't have a separate award for like libretto or songwriting. It was just best musical. So oh, interesting. Any of the writing awards got lumped in with best. Interesting. Musical. Just like best play. It may be true on some level that like the influence of the choreography at the time. Uh, was maybe not as revolutionary, but in retrospect, you know, this Jerome Robbins choreography, (laughs) the same kind of thing he would go on to do with like Fiddler on the Roof is, it it was a big deal. Well, and then what happens is it's successful enough. It gets a a movie, right? Just like the music man did. And so the movie comes out in 1961 directed by Jerome Robbins and uh, Robert Wise. And it becomes the biggest movie of the year, right? All of a, a sudden, yeah. West Side Story went from being a show that happened and everyone made money to being a fucking phenomenon. phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it became the highest grossing movie of the year. It won the Oscar for Best Picture as well as a number of other Oscars. Uh, it made uh, $44 million domestically, that's which a, that's a lot of money. Which I'm going to say 
That's more money than the recent release of West Side Story made in real in dollars in domestic wow. which is surprising because so many people saw the new no everyone everyone was in the theaters i saw people screaming and they were like yay look it's all more spider-man <laughs> everybody was lined up around the corner to get a ticket at the old box office <laughs> oh God, I'm west gonna... side story no way home <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know we get all three tonys <laughs> we still have the covid19 situation yeah. so the only thing that makes right. money is a superhero movie right. and then the superhero right. movie like breaks record right so that's that's how we find ourselves with today's movie steven spielberg's west side story Uh which he tried to make for like 30 years finally got tony kushner on board they shot it up here in washington heights at the same time that in the heights was filming oh i didn't know that i guess that makes sense so i would be going to the subway and i'd be walking past the sets for both of those i had to look up ansel elgert's name because i keep i always get him confused with like the nine other people that he looks exactly like it's not ansel is it it's ansel is it ansel (laughs) i think it's Ansel. like ansel adams the photographer well no no because okay but but ansem the wise is different than ansel uh, the original Ansel. you mean xanort yeah, oh, I guess Xehanort, because that's his nobody, yeah. right? Xehanort is Ansel Elgort's nobody. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so 20th Century Fox greenlit the project in 2014. Tony Kushner began writing the screenplay in 2017, but Spielberg only officially became attached to the project in 2018, even though it was well known that he'd been wanting to do this shit for a really long time. Principal filming began in July 2019, ran for two months, and uh, it took a solid two years then, two and a half years for it to premiere because of the fucking pandemic. Yeah, there was a little yeah. something that happened uh, at a, a, a meat market in Wuhan, China. <laughs> it's that Domino's meme of just uh, meat market in Wuhan, China, West Side Story released two years later. It's actually just a long crane shot over the wet market in Wuhan. You right, just hear the right. little whistle sound. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> and then you just see a pangolin bust out from the ground. <laughs> I'm first curious to hear a little bit about everybody's sort of experience with West Side Story as a play. Like, what was your exposure to it initially? I like the uh, tea on West Side where, Story. Where did it sort of come together for you initially? So I like first saw it when I was a teenager and I was like, OK, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never saw it. Um, I had never, never saw the original. I never saw West yeah. Side Story at all until uh, I watched it last night. So yeah, I was a big. Oh, I wow. mean, it was like we had a bunch of movie musicals on tape growing up. The King and I, mm-hmm. Fiddler on the Roof, Sound of you know whatever. Sure, but like my parents didn't care that much for it, and I saw it finally when I was like being a Sondheim completionist as sure. a teenager. Sure, and I was like, okay. Uh, I I I always kind of I always kind of stayed away from West Side Story because in my head. It was a jock musical, and I know that doesn't. What? I know I understand. Jock musical. Come AJ. with me on this. It was full of it was full of parts that I couldn't play because you mm. had to be a dancer. And at okay. the time, I was only interested in musicals and plays that I could potentially like act in. Of course. Yeah. And West Side always felt to me to be like this unattainable thing because it also you had to be like cool to be right. in it. You know what I mean? If you're gonna be a jet, you got to be like gotta be real cool, real cool, Daddy O. Right. And I. Pow. Uh, but i couldn't uh and so like uh, and no one was really doing it either like it's not big in like youth theaters in san diego california i mean 
unlike a lot of shows, you need truly talented dancers and right. choreographers. Right. I mean, the truth of it is, is that a lot of the sharks were white in a lot of the productions, well, youth that, theater yeah. productions in San Diego, because uh, racism. Yes. Yeah, right. San Diego's really yeah. far away from any Hispanic. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, notoriously. Well, because and this this is getting into a larger conversation, but like a lot of the youth theaters in San Diego are pay to play. You have to pay four hundred dollars oh, to have your yeah. kid do it. So, of course, you're only going to get Jesus fucking Christ. white kids. Yep. So then these youth theaters are also the ones who are like, let's do West Side Story. Right. You know, that one with all white people notoriously. Yeah. yeah. It's it's still, East Side Story. Yeah, East Side Story, which, <laughs> as, as you said earlier, maybe this should have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still not as bad as my high school's uh, all white but one production of The King and I. But we're not going to go there. <laughs> so I didn't have exposure to the show, but I do have yeah. one story, which is that uh, when I was still working at a Broadway ticketing call center, Carol fucking Lawrence came by one time to pitch a show that she was doing off Broadway. And uh, I danced with Carol Lawrence because there was a part where it was like, hey, who wants to come up and do a dance with me real quick? Uh, like, I remember this from my time doing oh, wow. West Side Story. And <laughs> I was like, I would like to, please. So that's something cool that I can say. I can say that I've danced with Carol Lawrence. So just you were, in a, you were in a production of West Side Story. <laughs> so uh, Matt. Yes, yeah, so me. Um, I, uh, as has been established in Puerto Rico. So West Side Story was interesting to me because I, I, um, it was like on TV a lot when I was a kid, I feel like, especially around like big holidays. Hmm. And I feel like I, I, I've probably seen it at my grandmother's house, like on WPIX 11, like okay. at certain, you know, okay. uh, like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> uh, Ideal time to watch West Side Story. That's when, you know, when there's nothing else on. It's like before the news. And so I feel like I, I, I saw it a couple times as a kid. And, and I remember, I mean, it, it, it kind of being fascinating because it was like for a very long time, the only like thing that I saw that had Puerto Rican characters in it. Yeah. And, and like took place in a time that I knew I sort of like vaguely knew was like the time when my like grandparents had arrived here. Did you out of curiosity, did your grandparents land on the Upper West Side when they, when they arrived here? Um, I know that my, that my grandmother on my, on my mom's side, uh, lived in the Upper West Side for okay. a long time, but my parents grew up in East New York. So mostly, <laughs> mostly Brooklyn. So like, I, you know, I had that connection to it and I, and I think it wasn't really until, uh, like I got older and like realized, you know, like things about the casting and I have a I have a play that I wrote a couple years ago called Natalie Wood is not Puerto Rican that is about a a, it's a great play by a the New way. Rican guy who like likes West Side Story and a a Puerto Rican uh, recently arrived Puerto Rican refugee from Hurricane Maria mm. who uh, who has very different uh, uh, feelings about the musical um, <laughs> and, and them sort of like talking about it and and maybe forming a love connection but yeah I, I, so i've had like an interesting relationship to it and that i I've, I've never uh, i don't think i've ever seen it live i don't think oh no that's not true i saw a production of of the uh at the fulton theater in lancaster pennsylvania <laughs> i'm in, sure uh, you were just uh totally burned up when evo von hova's broadway production <laughs> didn't quite come to fruition and had to fucking close in a heartbeat oh yeah no i uh yeah i uh i was devastated when i found out that that production was announced and then just never had never happened and never nobody ever did it. <laughs> nobody ever saw it wow. no it just just didn't occur so I, have, I have a pitch for you uh what if the witches in the crucible were hmm. real what if the witches were that remind it reminds Huge. me of Huge. every horror story i've heard from like english teachers who like teach the crucible and at the end there's some kid who's just like okay so like who were the witches <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Eva von Hope was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who were the witches? Uh, for, um, for, for those not familiar with the Crucible, uh, the witches are communists. So, yeah. yes. Um, Can't spell the committee without coven. I think you can. <laughs> is this, the, pod- is this the podcast where we learn that AJ is illiterate? <laughs> so it's also the podcast where we learn that Vladimir Lenin was a warlock. So, <laughs> so it's, it's um, I've had a weird relationship to it because it is like the goal of representation, but mm. also like deeply fucking problematic. Yeah. Like what, mm-hmm. what did your family think of West Side Story? They liked it. I don't know, but I think, but I think they were, you know, I think that there you'll find with a lot of people of like a certain age, uh, they're just like, yeah, this is how things are. Like this mm. is, yeah. this is how movies are. You is know, this, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Like you'll Brenner and the King and I, like yeah, it, it just, just like, is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Natalie Wood, her, that's a silly accent. Um, you know, that's <laughs> well, George yeah. Chakiris is Greek. Um, you know, there's a lot of Greeks in the, there's more yeah. Greeks in this movie than I think have ever been in any Hollywood movie yeah. ever. Uh, We're I talking about the original, right? Not or in the original one. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that there was a point in Hollywood where there were three races, which was like white guys, black guys, and, and Greeks. And Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> white guys, black guys, and like everyone. And like Anthony Quinn played like a lot of Arab characters. Yeah. And yeah. like uh, a few uh, Leonard like, Nimoy played natives. Like, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh, yeah. Time. It was just like there's there was miscellaneous. Yeah. Uh, few, um, few know this, but um, that line in Hamlet about uh, striking too short at Greeks. Um, that's yeah. that's a direct reference to that phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. Striking at those that two short Greeks. That infamous line <laughs> from Hamlet. <laughs> it is an infamous line George, from Hamlet. George Shakiris, uh is was a a big influence in that line. Um, <laughs> Shakespeare. Loves. Yeah, it's it's really cyclical, you know. Like he inspired Shakespeare. Shakespeare inspired the movie, and yeah, yeah. They're just like feeding off of each other in like yeah. a classic. Too short, like, Greeks, baby. Yeah, strike um, at him. So yeah, so I, I think there was like there was like there was no expectation that like representation would be particularly yeah. authentic, yeah. or that like sure. uh, there was no you know like feeling like oh these things should be better. Um, yeah. And so hmm. West Side Story, I think I like I have a soft spot for it. Um, I, I and, and also fully acknowledge that it's like it's not like a great, you know, it's I was I was in preparation for this podcast. I was la- I was watching the 1961 movie mm-hmm. uh, and I was laughing at how much of the Spanish dialogue is just guys going. It's just like guys, <laughs> like they'll say, like there are a couple that go like "andale," you know. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot of it is just guys making noises. It's and it was like I was like, oh shit! Like I don't remember that at all. That's wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like the way the Mario Brothers talk to each yeah. other, but yeah, in right. Spanish. Right. It's like look at the Brothers. Or in in the uh, fucking Mario and Luigi game. Yes, like so games. Like, oh, but you only have hundred percent. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Simlish. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, from but in 1961, so weird uh, relationship to it, yeah. uh, kind of ambivalent relationship to it. There's Absolutely. a sense that I get in that if you're working in theater and you're Puerto Rican, <laughs> you cannot fucking escape West Side Story. Right. Like you have to deal with West Side Story <laughs> in right. some way because it's always just looming over you. Totally. Um, if, for instance, in the Heights, right. opening with. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. same opening as America in uh-huh. Uh-huh. in uh, right, right, right. Which is like, Story. which is right, right. Which is like the only West Side Story is like a funny case where like a lot of the music is not Puerto Rican at all, yeah, but like very oh. like Spanish or Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, yeah. 
but they have this clave rhythm that's like one two three one two one mm-hmm. two three one two which uh which opens Amer- uh, um um america and then west side story uh sorry in the heights also beginning with that in kind of like a for any listener who's not familiar with the the geography of new york city also the upper west side but right. like but like right. very the very upper, 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 upper west side <laughs> almost the uppest west side the uppest no. west side we have uh well um, dykeman's the uppest west i was gonna say uh, the uppest of all possible people in inwood are gonna be That's upset true. but um yeah the uppest of possible worlds we do we, we do, we do <laughs> go to the, we do, possible sides we do go to the cloisters in the 2021 movie yeah uh, which is i think is the opposite oh. um, yeah so uh really though that that really lays out well matt sort of like the high wire act that this movie is trying to pull off the entire time yeah because they want real authenticity they want yes. actors who are not now they would have sound face yes. and not also yeah, yeah. <laughs> like casting which a puerto rican is, which actress is, which and is why covering they hired, her uh, acclaimed puerto rican writer tony Kushner. yes right. yes, right. yes. Exactly. <laughs> and, acclaimed, and acclaimed puerto rican director steven spielberg yes yeah, yeah i have questions <laughs> about like the arrangement it's like i yeah. get it spielberg has worked with kushner right. a number of times now like he did munich he did lincoln, lincoln. lincoln. He, ready player know. one Oh. <laughs> but I, loved, most, I love that Ready Player One was two parts and the second one was still Perestroika. <laughs> I will never forget the part where uh, the guy looked directly at the camera after after taking off his helmet and said, the great work continues. It was yeah. beautiful. Who is this podcast for? Yes! He said the It's for you, Matt. It's, for it's you. all for it's, you. It's, it's all been for you. Much like Janet Jackson, it's well, all I mean, for like, you. So, so, I mean, something that I was reading about yeah. before, uh, I remember in 2019, um, Spielberg and Kushner like made a surprise appearance at the University of Puerto Rico mm, yeah. uh, to talk about the movie. And I Was it a surprise to the people who ran the University of Puerto Rico? It was like, <laughs> hey, we're here. I think it was a surprise. Uh, I think there was like an invited audience. And and it's mm. very funny to me because I, like, I can't imagine them being like, I, I, I have to imagine Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg went and went like, oh, we're doing this is going to be great. <laughs> People are going to love us. This is going to be amazing. Puerto Ricans, uh, they love this musical. We're going to talk about how the good work we're doing. Yeah. And like, so this guy, I'm, I'm reading from Hollywood Reporter, um, a film critic by named Mario Alegre. Um, he asked the question, why West Side Story? and Why now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that was my first reaction. It's a very sensitive film for Puerto yep. Ricans. Uh, because of their portrayal in it, it's like doing breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, Ooh, which, you know. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I and, get it. Uh, and, and which uh, did get done a couple years ago on Broadway. Remember that? Yeah, it was yeah. a play. Wait, did you, recently? Did they yeah. cast an actual Japanese actor? In uh, I, I believe they did, but that was with. Wait, fu- what? Yeah. I don't rem- all I yeah. remember is the. Yeah, it, the, was, the it, very, was, it was the guy who did the graduate adaptation as well. And it was with fucking what's her name from Game of Thrones. This did not happen. These did not happen. <laughs> This was, well, it was Amelia Clark, right? I think so. Yeah, they, they and I don't think that one recouped its investment either. I mean, the, the, yeah, whole, the, the Edward Albee one with Mary Tyler Moore didn't even open. The whole reason That's that true. they did it, the whole reason that anybody went to the show is that at one point Amelia Clark got her titties out. And like, that was the whole oh. reason. Oh, no, I, remember that? <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Well, I remember I remember the conver- I remember the conversation about being like. Well, we got people saying that, that was gratuitous and it was and just, there were also like creeps. So there were also got, creeps up in the yes, balcony absolutely. who were like snapping yeah, yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, during yeah. the scene. I remember this being like this huge disgusting thing. Wow. Yeah. Oh no, I'm wrong. It wasn't adapted by the guy who did graduate. It was Richard Greenberg. Did oh. It. oh, who? 
Uh, he did take, um, me out. take me out. Oh, oh, yeah. Which, Which is, is also getting hard. And the thing yeah. is, like, when you say, you know, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? I say, I think I don't remember that play. As I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. Yeah. 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 I said, well, that's, that's one thing. That's one thing we got. So Hollywood reporters talking about, yeah, talking about Kushner and so Isel Rodriguez, who is a history and acting professor at UPR. She asked how they plan to represent Puerto Ricans. She says musicals have this thing that make you tingle inside and want to sing along. But that's a complicated thing when you're singing along to a lyric like let it sink back in the ocean. Kushner is like. That line is from the musical. <laughs> First of all, I didn't write it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Second of all, uh, you can change that because there was a lot of unhappiness about the negativity yeah. towards the island. So we're using lyrics from the film. Yeah, uh, which actually mm. Kushner had it backwards. The the let sink back in the ocean is from the movie. As Spielberg uh, eloquently answered, it's um I don't know. Do you want to uh to Kushner? Uh, <laughs> well, do you do you do you wanna? Uh, essentially, like Spielberg and, and Kushner went to UPR, and people asked them about representing right. Puerto Ricans, and their response was like, <laughs> "Well, we are, you know, we're, uh, I think the quote is, we are being OCD about accents, which is not a great answer. Unless we have any more stage setting, let's talk let's about the, the let's movie. Do it. Because yeah. this movie, the, one of the biggest creative choices that this movie makes right up top is to really uh, specifically set it in the world where Robert Moses, the master builder, is uh, clearing By out... Henry Gibson. That Henry Gibson play. Uh, well, the, the power broker. The yes. power broker of New York City uh, is clearing out the Upper West Side. Slum clearance. The whole point is, you know, Lincoln Center's about to go in here. Now, I, I have a question. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is this specificity part of the original play as well or no. not? Okay. No. Actually, no. no the... The the I mean the play is like it's the fifties. Everyone is talking about juvenile delinquent crime, right? Right, and there's a lot right. of movies about it. There's specificity in that it's Puerto Ricans and um, right. Polacks. The neighborhood yeah. where where the the movie shot is uh, San Juan Hill, which right. ceased to exist shortly after the movie. Right. So uh, when right. when they made shot. the movie, it, a lot of it was already torn down. The right. first movie, and you can see, that. and they're filming a lot of it where Lincoln Center Towers went. Uh-huh. And, and they actually delayed demolition so that hmm. they could finish up the movie. I didn't love this first shot. It was very ugly digital compositing. Um, like I, I saw what they were going for, but yeah. like it didn't work. Well, for me. And it's a very deliberate reference to Citizen Kane, uh-huh. starting with the chain link fence sure, and sure. the sign. Right, right. And then it, sure. you know, the, well, there's the, also, the drone I mean, I goes think, over. I think, so just to, because yeah. we're talking about specificity, there's also the fact that like San Juan Hill named San Juan Hill, not because it was a Puerto Rican neighborhood, but because it, it was home to a lot of African-American um veterans of the spanish-american war oh, interesting oh, I didn't wow. know that. and so like oh, okay. actually like but which, also, which it is portrayed that way in, yeah. in the movie as well uh, also had a lot of uh like puerto rican immigrants also sure. a lot of irish uh and so there was a lot of that kind of like uh yeah. there was that that conflict was like accurate to the right the, the yeah so, that kind of so like the, interracial. We, we have the jets the street yep. gang uh, they're made up of what would have been called at this time ethnics, right? Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. Irish, they're Italian, they're Polish. Yeah. So like, you know, at this time, there's a sort of conditional whiteness that y- these guys are not in on, right? right. Like the idea right. of being an ethnic still sort of goes through this. You can see speeches that Buddy Cianci is giving where he talks about how he's representing the ethnics of like Rhode Island. So these guys are marginalized. And, and of course, they're also just like poor working class schmoes who come from broken households and, and yeah. also part of this, this working class neighborhood that is being 
torn down building by building. Yes, yep. and uh, to make room for Lincoln Center, which proves that the ultimate villain of this film is the Robert theater. Moses. Yes. No, it's Robert Moses. <laughs> it's actually. the theater. Robert um, it's, yes, Robert, it's definitely it's Robert, Robert Moses. Moses. Um, but, but, which, which is actually more explicit in Kushner's screenplay, which I yes. did read for this, which is he, he really goes into detail about the housing I'm zones. I'm sure he mm. does. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of stage direction before even the snapping begins. Tony, like, so it's Tony just Kushner like, uh, decided to <laughs> include the fucking like map of New York. Yeah. Yeah, yep. he he, well, uh, he also is just like, by the way, right now it's 1956 and here's all the politics that are but, happening. Uh, no, but here's the thing, though. I and maybe it's just because, you know, the power broker is one of my favorite books. I really liked the specificity that this gave to the scene setting. The fact yeah. because the, what was sure. happening at this time on the Upper West Side is that large blocks were getting clear cut in order to make way for Lincoln Center, as well as a number of other developments under the deeply fucking corrupt regime of Robert Moses. And that's a very good point, Josh. Matt. What do you think? <laughs> what do I think? Yeah. I think I, I I bought the power broker, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's why I had to get it in. Yeah. It mocks um, me from my shelf. No, I mean I think I, I do I do really appreciate that it's a fucking huge book. Guys. It's it's a big it's, book. enormous. It's so, so large. Big. Um it's like Tony Kushner wrote it. Uh, it actually is like Tony <laughs> Kushner wrote it. The Power Broker Part Two, Perestroika. Um, I, I, so I liked it because I think it really speaks to the stresses on both groups. Yeah. Um, I think yes. there is something really interesting that the movie, this version of the movie, does, where it portrays like the the Jets as as down and out. Mm -hmm. uh, it portrays the Jets as losing, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, uh, I was watching. So when in the 1961 version, we were with the Jets for a lot of the beginning mm -hmm. and the yep. Jets are, are portrayed pretty sympathetically. Um, I mean, I was thinking of like one in particular where they're like they're walking through the playground and they like this girl is drawing this big like circle in chalk. And oh, instead yeah, and of walk walking right it. through yeah. it, they like walk in a big curve around it. Right, 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 you know, right. they're, they're they're like they're portrayed as kind of like in command, but like, but like benevolent leaders, benevolent yeah, leaders watching right. out for the community uh, a little bit, you know. Well, and in this version, they do the exact opposite thing. There's a part where they're drawing on the chalk and they stomp on it. It's relevant. It's relevant politically in the years in the, yeah. Trump, in the Trump ages of showing these like these like white guys who are like really convinced they're going to fuck. They're fucking losing right now. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think in 1961, people didn't know which way that neighborhood was going to turn. Sure. And oh, interesting. With perspective, we can see. Uh, these guys uh, and the world changing around them. Yeah. Uh, and we have, I think the last couple of years of like American political discourse to like see uh, in a very clear eyed way, the way that populations like that react yeah. uh, to situations uh, where they feel like they're losing, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. where they feel like they're, they're not, um, they're not in control of, of, their immediate future. I think Kushner's book is really great in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, and I think it is never better than the speech they give Shrank. Yes. To the yeah. Jets, where he talks about how other white people have made it out of this neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. these guys' fathers were like drunks and fuck ups and they didn't make it out. And I think I, I remember I stuck with me the phrase, uh, the last of the do nothing Caucasians. One day, these are all going to be high, uh, high rises full of rich people with Puerto Rican doormen who chase away that trash. Was, like that's yeah. And yeah. like that, I think, is something that we we have the perspective in 2020, 
2022 to like look back and, mm-hmm. and be able to write a line like that. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, I think like that was like, like a high point it, of, of the script for me of, yeah. of saying like, uh, this is what is at stake for the Jets. It really mm-hmm. is written mm-hmm. from a perspective of, of really understanding the original character. Cause I, I, what I did was I watched the Spielberg movie and then watched the old movie right mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, what you can see with with the police characters, they're always on the side of the Jets, right? Like they hate yeah. them because yeah. they're still juvenile delinquents or whatever. But they're like, but they're also if we white. have to pick a side. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Just tell us what's going to happen. Yeah. And we will look out for you. Uh, and yeah. that speech is that. Yeah. I mean, he's saying, yeah, you're good for nothing. But like, it's so much worse that these Puerto Ricans are coming in. Right. And, and, and I'd, we'd rather that you were just better people. Yeah, it's present yeah. in the it's present in the 61 version, but not to the same extent. I think no. that's yeah. the thing that 2021 movie does that the original does uh is like because the other one is in 1961 so it's like the yeah. police are just trying to help but i think in the new one it's like you know krupke is a nice guy but yeah shrank is a corrupt fucking asshole and yeah. you know uh, you can trust krupke because he's played by brian darcy james uh, the most him. luscious eyebrows so shrek uh, <laughs> yeah and um, one of the greatest exports from the state of michigan beyond like the turf war right the jets go after like protest art Yes. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. revolutionary art. And we see. Right. Whereas the uh, the original West Side Story movie had the sharks at one point walking out of Doc's place whistling My Country Tis of Thee. Uh, mm. uh, Here yeah. we see them at the very beginning singing La Borinquena. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 good original like uh, 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 revolutionary version. The the the, the, the I don't remember the, the uncucked version. <laughs> <laughs> so like the version that's OK to say now is like sort of like just the national anthem about how cool Puerto Rico is. Um, and then the original version is about like how uh, we want freedom and our machetes are going to give it to us. Fuck yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's that is great. cool. It's very cool. Uh, they sing that. The mural of the Puerto Rican flag in the movie also has like a quote from uh, Don Pedro Albizu Campos, who's like a, a Puerto Rican sort of freedom activist figure in the nationalist movement in the first half of the 20th century. I mean, I, I was I was kind of interested in that because I was like, oh, I want to know more about how the sharks are involved in the nationalist movement. Sure. Another thing I'm writing a play about. Um, in <laughs> 1950, like two Puerto Rican nationalists, Oscar Collazo and Griselio Torresola, took a train from New York to D.C. and tried to assassinate President Truman. And it was like the first time that a uh, Secret Service member was like killed in action. Whoa. Uh, oh, it was shit. like a shootout. It was like 30. It was like a, a one minute, 30 second shootout. 30 oh, minutes wow. would be a lot longer. Yeah. One minute, 30 second shootout, which is like a, a long bullets. time when you're like shooting bullets. Yeah. Uh, Truman was in in Blair House. And so they were just like hung out until he left Blair House. And then we're just like pow, pow. Uh, the Secret Service member was killed. Torresola was killed and Collazo was imprisoned and then later pardoned by Carter and then like went back to live in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. Uh, that was in 1951. And then 1954, uh, four Puerto Rican nationalists led by Lola Lebron uh, entered the Senate rotunda and like shot four senators while waving a Puerto Rican flag. She was quoted as saying, like, I, I came here to die for my country, not huh. to, you know, but didn't was, was put in jail. So I think it's like something that gets uh, gets lost a lot in talking about the U.S. relationship to Puerto Rico is how violent sure. the political situation was uh, in the in the 20th century, the early 20th century, hmm. um, uh, especially around the time this movie was coming out. I think a big reason that a lot of people get upset about the song America is because of Operation Bootstrap, which is like in Spanish. It's called uh, Operación Manos a la Obra. So like hands to work. It was a big initiative to like industrialize the economy of Puerto Rico, which sure. was 
which was like a sort of a monoculture, you know, it was mostly sugar. So the project was to to industrialize the economy of the island. So to take it from being a, a sort of agrarian economy to factories and industry, uh, which persists to this day. It, mm-hmm. it went from being a lot of like export uh, goods to like medicine, uh, sure. you know, so uh, right. You know, IV like bags Pfizer. Right, exactly. are, are pretty much all produced in Puerto totally. Rico. Like oh, wow. after Hurricane Maria happened. This is something I know because my family works sure. in medicine. Oh, sure. Uh, hospitals were facing horrible shortages of intravenous fluid bags. Yeah. Because all of them come right. from Puerto Rico, pretty much. Right. And it was very similar to a lot of like uh, uh, economic initiatives that, that exist now, which is like right. basically American companies. It's, it's neoliberalization. Totally. Like, that's yeah, all. Yeah. Exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's so you it's it's you know, you can if you go to Puerto Rico, like you don't have to pay taxes because you're right. just going to like, you know, which is also um, why fucking Bitcin guys love the island. Like YouTubers. There were recently, a bunch of, there were recently, so like acts 20 and 22, uh, were big. I think act 20 is like, uh, if you produce exports, like you don't have to pay a certain amount of taxes. And then act 22 is like, you don't have to pay taxes on passive income. And, but, but if you move to Puerto Rico, like if you were, yeah. if you were, if you were neither of these, are like options for people who like are already Puerto Rico residents. Right. Right. Uh, this is like people, if you move your business here, this is what you can do. So anyway, so operation bootstrap led to a lot of unemployment on the Island. Uh, oh, a, lot of people, okay. a lot of people had to leave, um, because they couldn't find, so, so it was a, jobs anymore. Yeah, it was a neoliberal great leap forward. Basically. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. these like, were people who previously had been working in agriculture in some capacity absolutely. who just now found themselves with uh, no jobs, no hope and no cash. hundred percent. So they people moved to the U S uh, no additional, bacon. additional problems uh, because of, because of the, the lack of employment, there was a lot of discussion about like overpopulation on the Island, which led to a lot of forced sterilization. Mm. Uh, a lot of discussion of like, uh, if you were a Puerto Rican woman who like went to the hospital to give birth, uh, the hospital wouldn't let you give birth there unless you also agreed to God, be sterilized afterwards. Yep. So uh, something we like, also did this to Native American women throughout the 70s. It was found to be constitutional to forcibly sterilize people in 1921 by the Supreme Court of the United States. Yeah. So uh, we we did it and we did it in these places. It also yep. adds a lot of depth to that line in the song America. Mm. Hundreds of people in each room. There's a line about babies crying too. That makes me. Oh, like, yeah. Well, so something is something. Yeah, that's true. So just to kind of like pull this back more directly to West Side Story, then something that I think is a question that I want to ask is to what extent did the play as written you know, like, did they know any of this shit when they were putting it together? <laughs> well, Probably not. Yeah, right? well, this is my this is what I mean yeah. when, when I was saying. When, yeah. So, like, when I was talking, uh, when I started in, in on that, I was saying a lot of people were mad about America, about right. it, which is like America is about a lot of stuff that is fucked up because of America. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like every repudiation of Puerto Rico is actually something that is something it, America it, 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 it is 100 percent like it, like yeah. a like a like a consequence of the colonial right. project. Right. there. Um, and right. so they even mentioned like the money owing the like yeah, yeah. debt the, that people are getting right. forced into. There's yeah. debt. There's, you know, the I, I mean, like you know, there's discussions of health care. There's, you yeah. know, just, you know, poverty. Um, and so there's an interesting thing that happens in the 2021 movie where uh, so they're they're singing America and they like walk by a protest of like Robert Moses stuff. Yeah. And yeah. like and then and then in the scene in like Rita Moreno's doc called what is she? What is her name? Uh, Valentina. Valentina. Valentina yeah. Right. I, I thought it was Valentina and I was like, there, there's no way it's that on the nose. <laughs> She's just like, Sage Valentine. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, so Valentina, when, when so she's in Valentina's shop and the, and the assault happens, which I think is like a very stirring scene, especially yeah. with the girl jets yeah. 
present and and protesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then and shoved out of the shop. Uh, where she leaves and then in a very corny line is like, I'm not American. I'm, you know, Puerto Rican or whatever she says. But, but I, I do think what, the, what that scene achieves is like watching Anita repudiate the song America. Sure. Yeah. Uh, right. And that is an interesting like way of being very direct in a way that like the 1961 film was not about that. Which is to say, yes, she she played Anita in the original movie. Right. Rita Moreno, and, yeah, they, yes. and they brought Rita Moreno back to play. There was a, a guy named Doc who ran the drugstore. Now it's Doc's wife, Valentina. Okay. Right, right. Uh, she Puerto played Rican. the role that was right. originally cast as a Cheetah Rivera oh, in the okay. original uh, uh, yes. Broadway production. And, she, and right. in the movie, she's one of the only people who sang, who actually sang her own part. Right. Well, she's actually, she's also like, I think the, the original, only Puerto yeah. Rican actor in the yes. film. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to take a little bit to talk about Corey Stoll's performance here. Hell yeah. As Shrank, yeah. because... First of all, I think he's doing some really interesting stuff. Yeah. Secondly, they threw a toupee on him. It looks um, great. It's which, a great piece. Actually. It's a great piece. I think it looks. He looks. Really he looks it's, 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 it strikes a really cool filmic balance mm-hmm. of being a good hairpiece, but also still looking like a hairpiece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. So right. So like in my head, it's not. It's not that Shrank has hair. It's that Shrank has a good hairpiece. He right. just has a really good right. hairpiece. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that's a hard balance to get. And it's also. Don't worry about how I know that. Oh, no. Don't worry about how I know that. I don't have a hairpiece, but I have had to wear wigs before with with thinning hair and uh, most of them disasters. There's a thing about the cops in this movie that is very interesting to me because we just did an episode um, about Adventures in Odyssey where we talked a lot about how the main character of that, John Avery Whitaker, and how he believes that rehabilitation and the system... And, and how that mm-hmm, show believes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, that the system works. And watching this one, it's hard to say that it has different politics when it comes to the cops. Yeah, It sure. says they're racist, but they work. Well, and in, in, in the yeah. fact that Tony, you know, back from his year in the slammer, he's back and he's reformed, right? Like, yeah, which is not the case in the original West Side Story. He does not go to prison in the original West Side Story. He he's just not like this. I get a, he got a job. Yeah, yeah. He got a job, a, but he's just kind line, of over it. There's a line that's like, oh, like the youth council got to him or something yeah, like that. It, it, yeah, it's, kind of, it, it's almost like the original book, Clockwork Orange. It's uh, like, oh, well, he's just getting older and yeah. like kind of growing out of it. Right, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there's a sense that like some some social program like worked for mm-hmm. him. Uh, in the in the original, but like going to jail and like nearly beating a kid to yeah. death is like a much darker turn. I, I like yeah. thinking in the original movie that like John Aston sat down with him. Yes, yeah. John Aston plays that little role as the as the guy who at the oh, at the gym right. who's yeah. like, hey, let's get together, have a great night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> when he dies, it's gonna fuck me up even more than when Sondheim died. Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Uh, but there, yeah, no, the, I also think that the Lieutenant has the most Kushner-esque dialogue in the entire oh, yeah, film. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, it's so given, clear, like his voice. Well, because yeah. well, he, he, he doesn't, there's not much there in the original pieces yeah. of West right. Side Story. So he's the person that Kushner can put all of the context into because he is the apparatus of the state. Well, and, and to be yes. honest, I think that like, even as written, there's not that much there. I mm-hmm. think that Corey Stoll's performance really elevates what this character is. I yeah. was I was just very impressed with him overall. And um because usually you walk away from West Side Story and if you're going to talk about the cops, you're just going to talk about Krupke. Right. He yeah, gets a song. Right. They invent right. a new swear word well, just that that's and, his name. And, yeah. and and Shrink Shrink gets to look sad at the end. I mean I think the cops are very interesting in this movie overall. Like Corey Stoll is phenomenal in this role yeah Krupke is kind of he's, he kind of comes across as like a nice he's a good cop right like he's yeah, a good he has he ulcers wants, he's just he's just very put upon he wants everybody to just get along he wants it to be he wants everybody to be quiet he knows everybody by name totally, he knows like right. you know uh, he knows Bernardo by name he tells, absolutely you know but but by making Shrink the bad racist cop over Krupke we see 
that it's a systemic issue yeah and not like right, right? if shrank was like a good guy and krupke was bad right it's it true krupke yeah. was a bad yeah this cop, is not a good cop, the police bad cop. Are good right yeah right. shrank is bad the police are bad krupke's good and he's the outlier and then he's doing his best at least 100 percent. and yeah. then at the end of the movie <laughs> the very last shot of the movie oh, god which aj is reacting to because i've tweeted about it Yep, and uh, I, I watched the whole movie with knowing that's how it ended. Well, and can we uh, before we get to the end? Can we go through a little bit bad. more of what happens and then like get to I, the payoff? I, I do yeah. want to talk okay, about cool. another shot that that made the rounds on Twitter. <laughs> oh boy! Just because it makes me very mad on a totally <laughs> different non-political uh, aspect. But when they do that social at the gym, right? Everyone's yeah. supposed to get together, and Kushner makes it into this odd sort of like. I don't know, like CIA operation or something. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to have the, the guy who was played by the affable dopey John Aston as just like some kind of loser who's very civically engaged. Just like, uh, right. We're doing a social experiment. Yeah. And, and just to kind of like frame this up too, this is, this is in the plot of the uh, play, a very important moment. This is the equivalent of the dance where Romeo and Juliet meet each right. other in the original play. Yeah. yeah. They go to the gym. There's this, pretty incredible shot where it's like it's a steady cam shot of these characters walking into the hallway they open the door and then suddenly the camera's on a crane and it's going over the dance yeah and spielberg has a really good eye for choreography and in yeah. fact yeah. as far as movie directors go the only person who has a better eye for group choreography and its relationship to the camera is julie taymore yeah uh uh, like yeah. say what you will about across the universe, but those scenes where they actually have like a big group of people dancing. Yeah. Unparalleled. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I mean, there, there are shots in this movie that are and, unreal. And, and this is yeah. one of them. And Spielberg loves his big, long sequence shots. Uh-huh. And uh, he loves digitally stitching them together. He sure but, does. And <laughs> the thing is, we were talking about this a little bit earlier uh, off mic is that people just like to be impressed by things like that. Yeah. They're like, oh, the best shot in this movie is just the one that's the longest one. Uh Um, And so this shot does something really unreal. And it's like, Mm -hmm. wow, it starts in the hallway and then somehow it's on a crane. And it's because it's more than one shot. Yeah. And it's very obviously more than one shot. Especially if you watch the two as they open the doors, um, the two people open the doors just kind of magically like slide off camera of the frame, Um, which looks I mean, it looks incredible, but it is two shots. Like it was not two shots. It was weird because Guillermo del Toro shared it and said that there wasn't any any seaming or stitching. I was like, yes, there is. (laughs) I can see it. And I am not Guillermo del Toro. This to me was you know, artistically, at least like from a strictly visual perspective, one of the high points of the movie. You've yeah. got like oh, yeah. one of the things that I, I noted is that Spielberg is like just so good at keeping the flow of action going while also keeping your eye drawn to what the focal point is yeah. supposed to be, which yeah. is a fucking lost art. Well, like, and, and Spielberg, yeah, has, no one does it like well, Spielberg. I mean, I, and then yeah. like, speaking of like like a, like a very easy comparison is in the Heights now, right? Mm. Yeah. Not not because they're both full of Hispanic people, but because <laughs> but because they're no, a contemporary movie like musical, contemporary yeah. musical that came out like within a year of each other, right? With, with uh, huge choruses and, of dancers, and, and, and yeah. an enormous yeah. uh, a big criticism of that movie is that like the dance scenes are like very frenetically edited, mm. uh, and you don't get to yeah. see anything for long enough to really appreciate the choreography, even though the choreography is obviously just very big and and lots going on, but it would be different if we got to like sit and watch really a lot of people do it. the same thing yeah. as opposed to like conveying the energy of the music and the dancing 
by cutting rapidly between dancers and between and camera angles and things like that. Right. Um, and yeah, so to have this sustained shot, just watching these amazing dancers. Yeah, totally. And, and it's, and it's, you know, and, and even, even the scene shot is like, well, like the intention is we are going yeah. to just look at something for a very it, long time. It really, it just carries you in. Mm-hmm. It's great. And visually speaking, it is just nice to see that like a lens flare used correctly do you know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I disagree. I, well, but, uh, no, I like I'm em. going to agree with AJ in that there is lens flare used correctly and also lens flare that is just all over the place a lot. Yeah, but, sure. You know, in the original movie, right, like they used Star a lot of nine. Fuck you both. <laughs> whenever you have a stage director come in and make a movie, they're always going to be the most experimental. Mm. So like, look at all these new toys I have. Yeah, absolutely. And so. The 1961 West Side Story has a lot of compositing in it, especially the moment where Tony meets Maria you know, where the background drops out, there's rear projection, there's all of these different collages of lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Spielberg one uses that moment where Tony meets Maria. Instead of jumping to a dream sequence or anything like that, he just has a lot of lights right in the frame and people walking through or dancing through. Yeah. As the camera's going across, you get flare, flare, Literal flare. Literal star-crossed lovers. And so it goes from a scene that you have a very concrete relationship with to something where you're constantly seeing the flares come in and out. And it's great. It's perfect. Yeah. And then also you still have these big stems of lights in the corners of the room. So you keep seeing them throughout the rest of the scene. And sometimes you have the nice JJ Abrams flares, which have to have a certain type of filter where you see the streak yeah, across right. the screen. Uh-huh. Yeah. But other times you get the flare where you just see a repetition of the shape of the light yeah. across the lens, which doesn't, look as good and it feels far less intentional interesting i mean this whole scene was spielberg's initial into west side story he had the idea that makes sense of tony and maria meeting behind the bleachers of the school dance Mm. and i think i think this scene is incredible despite the fact that i think that the guy playing tony is Perhaps yeah, the blandest I mean, actor whatever. on the yeah, planet. Yeah. Um, and really nothing. And so I watched the 61 version and like something's coming is so much better. Oh my God. Yeah. And the oh, 61 version. Far and away. And it's, but it's, it's, it's just because like for some reason they set this one entirely in the shop and he's just dancing around the store. Yeah. Sometimes Spielberg's sensual relationship with lights and the things that affect that affect lights, like reflections or yeah. gauzy fabrics yeah. or lens flares, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's not enough, Stephen. Yeah, it's, well. it's a it's a big big heart song, and it's yeah. not well. Okay, so he, yeah. there's a bigger problem that Spielberg has, and it's with casting right. attractive twenty something white guys. He is terrible at it. <laughs> He's terrible at finding new talent. The exception being any side character. Yo, yeah, if you have a protagonist, oh my god. Okay, so Mike faced. Uh, I I I cannot believe he was not nominated for so supporting actor. He the was actor playing to... Chino as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and Chino's yes. amazing. And, and they, they really gave really a great and Bernardo's great and Bernardo, yeah, uh, yeah. characterization to Chino too. Yeah. Like I, I don't really think anything of the character from the original yeah. version, but it's yeah, like, he's just oh, kind of some guy here because he's the Paris character, yeah. right? Yeah. But instead of Paris getting killed by Romeo at the last minute, he's the one who actually causes the horrible fatality at the end. Totally. Right. Yeah. Um, and they they make him this sort of nerd 
who's like way way too hot for what they're trying to like play up but like right, right. Yeah. they're really going for it, it. Works like well he's, enough, he's socially awkward he likes maria doesn't know right. what to do with that and right. so then for the fact that he's the one who ends up pulling the trigger on somebody yeah. is just horrifying yes, right it's gut-wrenching because he's not a violent you can tell he's never he doesn't have any violence in him at all yeah totally. Yeah, they're like you're the smart one. You have to get out. You don't get involved yeah. with the sharks. Yeah. You have to go out and be. You know, he's he's a uh, uh, an adding machine repairman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that that's sort of his thing? Like he's going to be like the money one. He's who the gets main out. character yeah. of the adding machine, actually. Oh boy! <laughs> and then he has the whole. <laughs> who is this podcast for? <laughs> um, so it's, um, it's for you, Matt. It's um, just for you, Matt. It's just for me. <laughs> it's me and like yeah. It's just like a list of things that I have to buy at drama play drama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> The uh, John bookshop. If you want to sponsor us, yeah. it is anyway. Lynn, if you want to come on, uh, John bookshop. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> Lynn's here. Oh my god, it's Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> uh, no, I have another Puerto Rican guy that keeps telling you. I'm here to talk about my bookshop. Oh boy, I don't like this. Why don't like this? Pull up. <laughs> and I'm not a cop. A bookshop. <laughs> this is not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna stop. Uh, so the um, isn't it fun to watch a movie where all the jets are just like John Mulaney copy pasted? Like the one guy looked just like John. So I was gonna Mulaney. say about Mike. Mike French yeah. is that like it's incredible that he uh, found a voice that was both like incredibly compelling and also a cartoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. by far and away, and that that's the, I think that's the greatest acting achievement of the uh, you know one of the greatest acting achievements one can do is is to have a cartoonish voice and then make you be like but this is a very real human who yeah. lived and suffered well, and, and died. I feel like that's kind of you kind of have to do that with something like yeah. West Side Story because it's just it's archetypal. It, yeah, it's, just like, it's yeah. like I'm I'm surprised at how well it actually held on to the social commentary that got thrown into it. Mm -hmm. Even though the, yeah, there's some social commentary attempting to work in the original. Yeah. It's script. very hand wavy. It's yeah. just like, don't, don't worry about it. Like how'd she well, find out about Chino? Yeah. Don't worry about it. I think like, there's, I think there, I think there's a thing that, I mean, I really appreciate the 2021 version, which is, I think the original uh, is very like, man, both sides are so bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas the yeah. 2021 version is very clear that it's like the jets hate the sharks because they're Puerto Rican and yeah. the sharks hate the jets because the, Jets hate Puerto Ricans. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's clear a couple things up here. So we've been talking now about the character of Riff. He is essentially the Mercutio, Mercutio, both. But who is he? He's he's Mercutio. Right? I would say, he's I would Mercutio, say yeah. yeah, he's 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 kind of like he's yeah. Even though he's not like the funny one, right? He's still the the guy who gets killed in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah. In the other the other yeah. his foil then is uh, the character Bernardo, who is I, I really like this performance as well. Yeah, oh, he's, he's basically fantastic. the Tybalt in this situation. Anchors every scene he's in by being like aggressive, and he is passionate, but he's not like too brooding for it to feel off. Like oh, absolutely, you can tell why he this has the feelings that he has. By David Alvarez, yes, David yes. Alvarez, who just does a fantastic job. I thought yeah. beautiful. Uh, Acting and really beautiful dancing as well. Yeah, Rachel Zegler plays um, uh, Maria. Oh, and, and she's a fucking fine. She is. She's great. Out of this world good in this film. Um, I mean, there's a great scene uh, where she's just getting up. Loved that. It's scene. like she's just yeah. waking Loved up it. and like trying to find like her shoes that was or like however she's supposed to walk out to eat breakfast. Well, well, she's trying to like cover up that she didn't uh, 
that that she stayed in her uh, right. outfit all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. some of this clearly, mess up the bed some of this like, was clearly down to the direction, but the way that she played the intention of it was so fucking. It's a great scene. Yeah. It's a single shot. It goes in and out like four times, which shouldn't work, but it yeah. does. It's right. not it's not super long, yeah. but it's it's one of the most active scenes. Uh, in the movie and in a movie where there's lots of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she also like can't help how much she loves this man. Right. Which is a huge accomplishment when that man is Ansel Elgort. <laughs> yeah, who I cannot stress is, enough. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's oh, just do it real quick because, God. you know, I think I, I think elephants actually are elephant. capable of uh, emoting far more than <laughs> than this man. His performance doesn't do much at all. And most he, he of the can, reason that it's yeah. able to work to the extent that it is, is that um, fucking uh, Rachel, Rachel Zegler yeah. is so good. He, he at can do at convincing you that he's, attractive. You that he's yeah. attractive. He can do some of the larger things, the bigger emotions, maybe the longer shots, but like he, he when something has to become more subtle, he just goes completely flat. Yeah. Uh, I love um, how in the song Maria Spielberg seems to understand how uncharismatic his lead is because he puts very interesting background actors into it to distract mm, you from the yeah. fact that he is singing like he's staring at a brick wall. <laughs> like it's just can I can I, I want to yeah. also I want to talk about the background actors and there is a gag in that's in the 2021 version. Oh yeah, I wonder where yeah. he's singing Maria. Oh yeah, and every time he says the name, another Puerto Rican lady sticks her name out, her face out <laughs> the window. That sucked. That was <laughs> awful. And that's like, like that's like the oldest jo- like wrist joke about yeah, West Side Story that, <laughs> that there is. He says, he says Maria, and like an old lady's like me, and then there's like a little and girl, like a little and like, girl me? like me, and yeah, then that, it's like a very weird. That sucked ass. That was so bad. <laughs> It was like a very, it was like, get it? Because they're all named Maria. But, so for, for me, <laughs> yeah, no, no. And that's, that's actually a joke I heard doing youth theater in San Diego. Mm, it's obviously told by funny. a white guy, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, that's like, why would you, uh, why would you put that in the movie, Tony? And, and so why would you put that in the movie? For me, I, I, would, I would like to do that with a production of Sound of Music somehow. <laughs> it's like the nuns are walking through Salzburg being like, how do you, how do you solve, solve a problem, problem like Maria? Maria? And, and then all, like all these out. crowds are like. Ish? <laughs> Maria. Nine, nine, nine. Sie ist me. Sie ist me. So um, I, I, this to me was like one of the biggest issues that I ended up wrestling with then was like, you know, setting aside the stuff about the dramaturgy and so forth and the extent to which the problem was handled, which is, as we've already started to talk about, a bit mixed. If one of your two leads isn't interesting, it's really hard to care, particularly yeah. Yeah. once... The two characters, the two the, the two characters who are played by the men who are the most interesting in this movie fucking die. Yeah. Um, Which th- this is like the Romeo and Juliet problem. Right. right. Usually yeah. you have a boring guy as Romeo because he's also just not written that well. Right. It's like Mercutio has all the energy of that show. And then. Right. Well. And well, Tibble as well, uh, okay. to an extent. So yeah. my argument is that Romeo and Juliet is a comedy until Mercutio dies, and then it becomes a tragedy. The mm-hmm. and that's how you play as a play comedy, it, or so. it's just not. Well, but I think I think that's a. I also think it's like a. Are we gonna Are we gonna talk about Shakespeare now? Uh, I, think that, I think the. I think <laughs> we the, also we also brought here because you are very knowledgeable about uh, Shakespeare. Uh, uh, <laughs> as a fellow adapter of Shakespeare, uh, what do you think about this as a Shakespeare adaptation? My, so oh, ooh, let's get into it. So so wait. So I think my thing with with Romeo and Juliet, uh, and I think that I think it. It, it rubs off on West Side Story is 
that. Just like I do. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's what he does on this copy of West Side Story. Stop he comes it. on it. Uh, oh, God. Ow, I've been kicked. Who is it for? Um, so the, I'm just going to keep saying it. Um, the, <laughs> okay, I'll cut it when I need to. Uh, we'll just we'll like cut to like 60s go-go dancing. You're going to have so much fun editing this, Brian. <laughs> um, I think West Side Story should have been a 60s beach movie um, with Sally Field. Well, so, so, so I, think, I think this thing, so this thing about Romeo and Juliet yeah. Uh, yeah. productions that rubs off on West Side Story mm. is mm-hmm. that West, is that uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet um, should be just like really energetic kids who are like really like I think yeah they're horny teenagers right right like, well yeah. they're horny teenagers and like I'm not into they're like violent teenagers well but I don't think or I think yeah that's Much like that's most a big teenagers thing. Uh, I think there's like um I I think the thing like about like the scene where they meet uh is that it's actually really witty and I think it would be a lot more interesting if more people played that as like mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. yeah uh and that like Romeo is like really smitten with mm-hmm. this girl who is like the only girl he's ever met who talks to him like Mercutio does. Sure. You know yeah. I mean? Sure. Uh, and, and if he and, can't have Mercutio, well, no, he has know. to settle for Julia. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> right. He's like, Mercutio, this girl makes me feel like you do. And Mercutio's like, let's not interrogate that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I had this dream last oh night, Queen God. Mav. I mean, so, uh, Romeo. I've so I think it rubs. I, I think I think that that shows up in in West Side Story is, is this like yeah. misconception of like uh, this thing where love at first sight is like a boring ethereal thing with no like like fun to it, with no fun to it, with no like energy to it, right? Uh, and and I think we see that a lot in like this version of like there in the the like fire escape scene, which I think is one of the reasons that like. Rachel Zegler's work is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she's very excited the whole time. Yes. One of the things that I was really thinking about while I was watching this scene, and a big part of this was because uh, Rachel Zegler's Which performance. Which scene specifically? The, the, the scene uh, on the fire escape. Yeah, yeah. Out back, the balcony scene, right? right. Yeah, and I, then when I, I looked cried. at Tony, I was like, God damn it. First of all, she's adorable. So you need to be doing more right now. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand how you're not doing more right now. Yeah. It's because he's a badass. Oh, in in the immortal words of my friend Heath Saunders, uh, are they a good actor or are they just tall? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think yes. Uh, and but Anthony Lord has been able to be very tall in a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> so and he could not be taller. Uh, uh, I think the thing that the, another another thing that the I mean the movie throws him this massive impediment, which is also his relationship uh, to the Rita Moreno character. Where he right. is, it is it is loaded down uh, very explicitly with a lot of racial baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him, uh, he he says, you know, I want to be like you and Doc, you know, because it's like, oh well, like right. He just he's like he's like very, he's very aware in a creepy bad way of <laughs> the fact that he's like in love with a girl of another ethnicity. Yes, <laughs> and he thinks that's very cool. And he like talks to like Rita Moreno, who's an older Puerto Rican woman who is married to a white man and to be like, oh, like this is I want to do this thing. And and it's 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 bad. Uh, And the movie, to its credit, does a cool thing where it has Bernardo have a whole speech about how you're fetishizing my sister. Yeah, right. Uh, You went to jail and you saw a lot of Puerto Rican guys and you got guilty about being white. And And he does such a good job delivering that thing. It's it's a really good job. Um, But I don't think. I think that's a lot of weight mm-hmm. that had to be handled in a more interesting way. I don't think the movie intends for that stuff to make Tony's feelings for Maria seem inauthentic, but it feels 
in this performance that he is being calculating about it in a way that's like not not helpful yeah. to to what's going on. So when we come back, we will talk about the rumble and then the part of West Side Story and Romeo and Juliet where everything just stops dead in its tracks for a while. <laughs> yep. Keep it cool. Hello, listeners. It's me, famed Dutch director slash evil funhouse doppelganger, Waluivo van Hove, director of The Crucible, West Side Story, and that recurring dream you have where you're being chased by a sentient plastic bag. Do you like theater that grips you? Does your theatrical production need that extra something to make it pop? Do you have a large supply of room temperature meat? Then might I suggest purchasing my wolf! Ever since my production of The Crucible thrilled audiences by asking the question, what if in the middle of The Crucible a wolf happened? My wolf has been living in my apartment rent-free and eating all my cats! Spice up any regional theater production by introducing the threat of animal violence! Is your youth theater production of Annie too saccharine? There's a wolf for that! Your community theater production of cats too long? There is the same wolf for that! Your production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf too metaphorical? Look, I don't know how to be clearer that I only have this one wolf! So buy my wolf today, so it can stop watching me with its glowing eyes while I sleep, licking its lips every time he makes direct eye contact with me, smacking his sickly jaws and coming to me in dreams. His face the face of my own father, Luivo Van Hover and speaking to me in the voice that I can only imagine is that of a thousand gods. Olivo. He barks. Listen for my howl, the howl that comes from the glowing of unearthly screens. I am trapped between worlds, hidden in the shadows of your electronics. I must find a way out. Give me audiences, Waluivo. Put my screens in your shows so as their sickly eyes glaze over and watch me. I can watch them and slowly sink into their minds. Then they will howl too. I will make them all. So buy my wolf today, and make sure your audiences will leave the theater lupining for more. A wolf putting the can into lycanthropy! We're back. Hi. So, we get to the the rumble, and the rumble goes really slow. Like, yeah, yeah, Matt, you bring up the point that they, they, they do try to get more, like, of the relationship there uh, between uh, uh, Bernardo and, and Tony. Yeah. But the Jets got to have their way tonight. They got to. You know? They got to. You got to just get to the rumble. You just got the, get to have the chaos go on. It's a beautifully shot scene. We got the shadows yeah. coming uh, in from two sides. It's so great. Yeah. But a like lot the, of that is. But they using, the salt. using the, yeah. the salt. Yeah. Storage. Which is a new location uh, yeah. that was not in the original. This yeah. was invented for this movie. And this was Brilliant. actually Brilliant. a uh, garage at the Navy Yards. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, they, they drove their car all the way out there just well, to prove that they were sorry. Okay. Oh boy! What? Yeah. What? Oh. The problem with these is that Brian gets me on the hook for him, and yeah. I'm just like, he might have. Oh no! It's Sufjan. It's oh. Sufjan again. Oh. Sufjan Stevens. Well done. Yeah, that's for yeah. our Michigan listeners. Yeah. Well, the Illinois 
Oh, and the Illinois. Kill the Illinois. I've been stunned by that predatory wasp one too many times. <laughs> there is a there's a really good character moment there where speaking of Angela Gort, uh, where uh, Tony and Chino like collaborate to open up because they were both been like yeah left yeah. Out. Uh, I think there's like a really great uh, moment where they 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 see each That's, other that and is a work great together yeah. to open the grate. Uh, to get in yeah. uh, after after it's already been closed. This is another scene where uh, it's really apparent that part of Kushner's project is to bring more Shakespeare into it. In the dance scene, there's a there's a bit where Maria kisses Tony and he's oh, yeah. like a more of a by the book kind of guy. Try me again. You know, lines from yeah. Romeo and Juliet that I don't know off the top of my head, but you know, like you kiss by the book. Ooh. Let me, oh, let me sit again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then here, there's uh, there's another line Riff has that recalls the the Mercutio's line about Romeo's vile submission because he does he's just sort of like taking Tybalt's abuse at first. Bernardo yeah. being like the Tybalt analog, and then the the actual like mechanic of how Riff dies is much closer in this movie. Uh, the idea of being hurt under your arm, like the this. Right. This thing of, of, of Tony's intervention being directly responsible for Riff getting killed, uh, as opposed to sort of like incidental to it, uh, like in, yeah. the, six, in yeah. the 60s version. There's also the whole scene uh, with the gun, with buying the gun, uh, and then going and fighting over the gun. Yeah. You get Cool in there, which yeah. I liked. I, I actually really liked the placement of Cool here. Well, but this it is really, the original placement of Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, it, but it really kind of negates it when like literally like two scenes later, Riff's like, oh, yeah, you can just have the gun. Right, yeah. you know, well, he just, he just gives the gun back to But Tommy. I think there is. I, I think I think one thing I do like about the way that this is handled here is is that it really motivates the song. I, I think uh, we talked a little bit about like the the way that the Robert Moses stuff like plays on this, but I think yeah. that yeah. that that Kushner uh, does a really good job of turning up the pressure mm-hmm. on a lot of this stuff. So in the original film is is very, it's kind of just the guys letting off steam, and it's yeah. like an interesting, yeah. cool music interlude uh whereas in this film like having it be riff and tony uh rest, wrestling yeah, they're really wrestling fighting for that yeah. gun. so speaking uh, of tension let's go to the moment where we have none i feel pretty <laughs> where uh, now they've, yeah. they've made it a scene where they're beyond just doing the textile work that they do at home they're also working to clean at a department store, which feels like a reference to Evening Primrose. Yeah, I did a little bit. I did. I did pick up on that. <laughs> this is the song that Sondheim uh, famously disliked. Right? He really uh, dislikes it. He wanted the, them to the cut thing it. For is, the film, a lot yeah. of people, myself included, don't know that it's a West Side Story song. Most people, I think, our age will first encounter it in like a commercial or, or oh, some other place yeah. that uses it. And it sounds like a Learner and Low song. It sounds like it's from My Fair Lady. Uh-huh. Well, in this, oh, yeah. this, this, and Sondheim talks about how it feels like this song in particular sounds to him like Noel Coward wrote it, which is one yeah. of the worst insults he could well, give a song right. in his well, life. Yeah. And his and part of that is that like he, Sondheim says that he doesn't believe that it is that he doesn't believe he thinks the the lyrics are too clever right for a a, a, a Puerto Rican girl who didn't like finish high school yet. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, and, and given given what we hear from her dialogue up until this point, honestly, the so the way that they sort of attempt to solve this problem dramaturgically, she is basically putting on sort of yeah. the appearance of one of these like upper middle class white ladies, right? The actual clothing line is called witty wear. Uh, so she feels pretty and witty. Wait, because really? It is, yeah, that's on a sign in the background. Huh, so huh. there is kind of a fundamental problem of Maria in this movie. And how do you solve it? Uh, I, well, Very uh, carefully. Kushner, Kushner tries <laughs> a little, but I think he actually, and what he ends up doing is kind of pulling a Jasmine in the Aladdin reboot. AJ, 
Have you seen the live action Aladdin? Yeah, yeah. That was, has no, has no one else seen it? No one else has why? seen why? it. This no one. The, the perfect film? Why? I don't, I don't, have, I don't I've even... never seen it, but I have read articles about the thing that AJ's going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it's there's. So, I, don't, I don't mean just like the other people in this room haven't seen oh, it. Okay. Like, Nobody no one saw seen that it. movie. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. No one I saw actually, the Guy Ritchie Aladdin. I think I Will think Smith Will Smith it. actually did. Will Smith sure didn't see it. He brought up many theaters. He's. Jasmine has a song in Guy Ritchie's Aladdin where she sings about how fiercely independent she's going to be and she's not going to take anything for anyone. She's going to be her own independent woman and she immediately gets kidnapped. Uh, it's like an immediate reversal. It's very funny. And uh, Kushner d- kind of does that with Maria to a much lesser extent in this. She seems a lot more aware of things in general. They're on the scene where she's going up with Tony to the cloisters. She has a thing where she's like, you know, my people are very oppressed. And Tony's like, well, I'm also equally as oppressed. And she's like, no, you're fucking not. (laughs) Um, In a way that makes her a lot more savvy. So a lot of the stuff like I feel pretty kind of rings a little false Mm. because she actually seems a lot more in control of her destiny than the Maria of the original West Side Story. And that tension really doesn't ever resolve itself. It is it is Kushner's Maria versus the original West Side Maria. And they never can, can like congeal into one solid characterization sure well something something that's kind of interesting too is that the uh the evo van hova production which never actually went up yeah that never the, happened it's amazing you know anything about it well it solved it solved for this problem by cutting i feel pretty in its entirety yeah which is what sondheim wanted right for the i don't for know this about, movie. i mean I, sondheim really doesn't like that song I, sondheim doesn't care much for a west side story right. right the only time i've ever heard him talk all that positively about it is when he's was talking about lin-manuel miranda and his translations in for 2009 it. yeah which, which i was surprised they didn't incorporate yeah, so, into the movie so in 2009 arthur lawrence directed a production of west side story his husband had just died uh, and his husband always wanted to have this this idea for west side story where the sharks actually speak spanish throughout mm-hmm. the, the the whole play yeah so they they produced it on broadway including all the songs lin-manuel miranda did the translations mm-hmm and they're good. I mean, I've yeah. listened to the recording, but what they did after they opened was they kept scaling it back until I don't think mm. there were any songs that were done in Spanish anymore by the time it closed. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, oh, th- maybe that I'm wrong about that, but they did actually take out like Spanish dialogue oh, sure they and did. they, they might've kept like, I don't know, America in Spanish or something, ah, but yeah. like, and I feel like that's that this movie could have just used. There's a lot those. more yeah. Spanish yeah. in this movie ah. and they, they, pointedly don't use subtitles yeah right. so they walk up to the line of like just how much spanish they could use before yeah. having to do that right yeah. to which i say just do subtitles yeah. just do the whole well, thing just do it just really do it who gives really, a shit yeah, yeah. I, I think it's i think i mean speaking to this problem uh you were i mean uh, that sondheim has with maria uh i do think that the movie kind of the movie solves it by by having it be a language issue i think yeah. it's like i think they have her uh, less facile uh, or, or sort of like less uh, mm-hmm. she's not as fluent uh, uh, eloquent in English as she is uh, in Spanish and, and it's sort of like mm-hmm. it plays with this thing where she like speaks Spanish uh, as a first language very clearly right uh, they um, do the same thing with uh, Ariana DeBose, uh, Ariana DeBose as, Anita right. as well uh, Ariana DeBose very interestingly they have this whole oh, she's thing. so good we haven't they even talked about up, her yet she's so yeah, good yeah they bring up there, there's a there's a there's a scene where they they bring up a whole thing in the Spanish dialogue Bernardo says like 
like for her to butt out of the argument because this is about a family thing. And she's like, well, I live with you. Am I not family? Cause I'm black. And then, and it's mm, like, yeah, that's not what I mean. And it's interesting. <laughs> and I think that's very interesting that that's like very, it's like, okay, well this is for, this is for this theme is for people who speak Spanish <laughs> um, and not, and not for people who, who only are understanding the English dialogue. But yeah, no, I remember that. I remember like listening to the, to the 2009 translations and, and it being uh, because of like the complex relationship I described earlier with the musical, like it being very, emotional to like hear the characters mm. sing in Spanish um, and to hear these lyrics interpreted. It seems like such an obvious choice, especially if you're trying to make it more robust and they did throw in so much more Spanish Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. to just do it, to just go balls deep. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause it, there's always someone because, insisting that they speak English. Uh, yeah. They, they throw that in. Oh no, we have to practice our English. Yeah. Now. That, that's and, a and thing. That too, and then, yeah. and then the lieutenant was, is like, you don't shrank, speak Spanish. Shrank, yeah. And I, that's where I think it's actually yeah. most it worked. It worked really is, well. Is when, but I then agree. I think it would work even better if those characters had been speaking Spanish primarily. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Movie. Absolutely. Right. Or, and, and had, and had been able to express them. Like, I yeah. mean, the thing about musicals is like right when it breaks free and you're like expressing yourself in a true way in a musical yeah. form, the song is like the, is like the true most and they, pure. And they never get to sing and in they Spanish. Never get to sing yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. And, 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 and this is the thing too, where it's like, you know, Except you're not for the board in Kenya. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Leonard Bernstein's best song, really. (laughs) 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 You're not you're not limited by really any confines of cinema here. You you have the weapon of subtitles. You have the weapon of um, being able to quickly have people code switch and like you you can you can contextualize. You you also have the weapon of people fucking know these songs and the lyrics don't matter anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I distinctly remember, for instance, when I was a kid, it just happened to be on Little Shop of Horrors on Telemundo. And um, the whole thing was overdubbed in Spanish. But when when they got amazing, but when they got to the songs, they were in English because you know what? It gets through. You don't yeah. you don't need like it, it. it's clear just from the singing alone and everybody knows the fucking songs. Yeah. We also just again, this also happens in Romeo and Juliet. We're just spinning our gears now right. until we get to the the big moment in, in Romeo and Juliet. The time where everything kind of locks back into place and we're moving again yeah. is when Juliet buys the magic poison potion that right. makes her dead for three days, but not really. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, Here's a big bottle of plot. Right. Uh, <laughs> and in this case, it's a big bottle and in this of case, gun. It's something <laughs> much smarter, right? Where the fake death is actually a, a very conscious choice made by Anita. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Tony and Maria, they're going to run away. They have this, this, this plan worked out. They're going to meet. They're going to get out of there. And Anita goes to where the jets are hiding out and uh, they try to rape her. And Spielberg seen the direction of this. And like, like we talked about earlier with the writing, it, it's, yeah. it, it really, really hits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's gut wrenching. And it's because of yeah. that moment, it's not just anger. It's not just like, fuck these guys. It's also like, there is, there is no place for Maria with someone like this. Yes. Like if yeah. these are the people in his life, yes. Like the sharks would never do this. No, yeah, none of those guys no. in the sharks absolutely not. have because ever they, shown they, they have themselves honor. to be they, that they're kind of honorable right. people. So she says, "No, yeah, she's yep. dead. Yep, yep, she got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, Chino killed her. Chino killed her, mm-hmm. and she pieces out. Yeah. Right, which then leads Tony to find out 
He runs out, says, Chino, come and kill me. And you have the great mechanic of oh, Maria's coming yeah, out. She yeah, sees yeah. Tony. And that was that was very stagey, too. That's him. a very yeah, stagey that's moment. That, I, I, yeah, I, just to go back to the, sorry, yeah. the scene in, in, in Valentina's shop. Sure. Uh, yeah. I think that, I mean, the 61 version, like, it's this big dancey, like, it's suggestive of yeah. what's happening in a way that is also, like, deniable, right? It's like they're fucking with her, right? It's an assault of some kind, yeah. right? Uh, right? The movie doesn't have it as choreography in the same way it doesn't have it uh it has the again the the two jets girls screaming for them to stop right yeah and they re- yeah. then then the, the the boys like physically remove them from the store and lock them outside yep. like valentina comes out and like repudiates them and calls them rapists right like yeah, it's, yeah explicitly it's, rapists. It's, she right she uses the word and it's like it's so it's like so over the edge in a, in a in a way that I think you touch on. We don't see anything from the sharks like remotely like this, where we see the extent to which these boys do not think of the sharks as people in the way that the sharks have to think of the gents mm. as people, and and the way also that they're. I mean, like there's a, there's all sorts of like weird racial dynamics there where they all still yeah. respect Valentina because she was married to Doc. Right. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. like, uh, and Valentina <clears throat> and there's a, there's a, there's an interesting like tension between Valentina who has been housing the jets and Anita who says like, like how, how could you, I, I think a big part of why that moment has such gravity too, is that, you know, we haven't really talked very much yet about Ariana DeBose's performance as Anita. She, in many ways, becomes the emotional crux of this movie it, more than Maria, kind of, which which is a maybe a bit of a problem uh, dramaturgically. Yeah, I, I think it's a misstep Another problem to solve. About I think Maria. it's a misstep of this movie. For for my money, the one thing that really landed with me the first time I ever saw West Side Story was that monologue at the end, right? Chino has shot Tony. Yeah. Tony's has died in Maria's arms and she picks up the gun and she says, how many bullets are left in this? Mm -hmm. How many, how many bullets could I fire off? Can I kill myself? Can I kill you? Can I kill everyone here? Right. And it's, it's it's great. It's a great model. How many of you can I kill and still have one from left for me? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Which also calls back to the very Shakespearean, like, you know, this is this is teasing yeah. the Shakespearean thing because well, Juliet fucking dies at the end the, of Romeo and, and Juliet. And it's the part yeah. that, that outdoes Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have Juliet and her tragic, uh, oh, my dagger. Yeah. Right. It's just fucking white hot rage from a character yes. who even... 10 minutes earlier, you wouldn't have thought would be capable of it. And yeah, it's totally right. earned. She's it's learned how to hate. Finally. One of those things yeah, right, right, where, right, right, right. I mean, Arthur Lawrence also wrote probably the best screenplay to a Hitchcock movie with his adaptation of rope. Correct. Um, the motherfucker, when he can tap into something for real and yeah. isn't hiding behind all of his weird fake slang and like what, what he thinks a Puerto Rican talks yes, like, exactly. uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's so much about like b- both movies where they lean into the Catholicism of the Puerto Rican characters when all of these characters are Catholic. Right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but like, but that moment is so well done. And especially in the original movie where they let her acting do the entire thing. They have the music mm. play as she's holding his body. And then she says, I think stand back or step back. And then the music cuts out mm. and it's just yeah. her giving the speech. That does not happen in Steven Spielberg's movie. Even though Rachel Zegler is an actor who could pull it off. She could. Yeah. But you hear the 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 strings underneath 
which sap the the anger away from it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it more sad, actually. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it, it keeps her from becoming the final focus of the film. Uh huh. Yeah. Because the final focus of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So the, um, the very last shot of the movie uh, of the first movie, the, the police, the, the police yeah. show up 61 yeah. during her, her monologue in yeah. 1961. And they they already have Chino. Mm. They're, they're kind of boxing him in. Everyone yeah. else is looking on. They carry Tony up in their like over their shoulders mm-hmm. and they they carry his body off. Right. And then it's like at, a crane shot. Am I remembering this correctly? It's like it's like it. it goes, uh, yeah, it the right, camera rises yeah, yeah. as they're walking out. Yeah. And so everyone kind of peels off like yeah, yeah. one by one by one. Chino, his fate has been sealed and they walk him off. Spielberg. Spielberg's movie. <laughs> also a crane shot. Yeah. And and a very interesting dynamic. You oh. know, the motion, yeah. the, the the action, the way that it enters and exits the screen. It's yeah. very Spielberg. It's uh, the camera is looking through a fire escape. Yeah. And there was a there was another tweeter thread about like, oh, well, it's like, you know, it's like behind bars or also it's like. Sure. It's yeah. Like, no one's ever also, done that before. It's also <laughs> that, but it's also because the fire escape is where Tony. And, so it's like, all like, of yeah, that. Of course it's like it the ghost is. of the relationship. Yeah. Gone. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is, this is all I'm I'm saying it in a voice like it's silly, but it's not. Right. So it's all. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's all there. Right? Yeah, it's so all it's there. Like very, it, it, well, it's it, all there to the point that it's cliche to point it out. Right. Like, obviously, this is visually the but motif. Instead that he was going of for. ending with the image of Maria, with with the whole community together, they pick up. Tony's body, they start walking away, and then that is its own shot. Mm-hmm. And the crane goes up as they're walking down the street and they haul him off. And then you see Valentina right. with, with Chino, Chino. Mm-hmm. as the police come in, they stop and they start to get out of their cars, and she she hands him off. Right. Yeah. And it's I mean, that's that's the last that's literally the last thing right. you see so until right. the credits start to roll and you see the brick walls and the titles and everything. Yeah. I was so thoroughly charmed by this movie for so much of it. And I thought it was so well executed for so much of it. And then the last shot, I, it left such a horrible taste in my mouth. Like, uh, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time. Some, um, something I mentioned earlier is that I think a lot of like the attempts to smooth over the historic problems of, of the representation of Puerto Rican characters in this film, they're clumsy, but you can see what they were going for. Right. Sure. Uh, and so I, you know, you appreciate them. But there's something so weird about the last shot that makes it because I'm not I don't know what the movie is about anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't, it's, it's there's, a weird, there's a scene earlier when, when Chino gets the gun, he's going to go out yeah. you know, and try to find Tony and kill him where someone I forget who says to him. It's he, he meets like, a bunch of guys in the box. Like you, you yeah. kill a white guy. Yeah, they'll always kill you. Right. Yeah. You right. saw what happened at right. the rumble. If a white right. guy dies, there will always be a Puerto Rican who right. dies right. or goes to jail or fucking whatever. Uh, right. And it's like, yeah, that's an interesting point. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting scene because Chino is the everybody's like, Chino, you're the smart guy. Yeah. Right. Chino, you are you. You can't get involved in this shit because you're too smart. And where Chino winds up is actually I'm too smart to not get involved in this shit. Chino mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. you guys are thinking very small. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chino right. in that scene becomes very political uh, with them uh, and is like, you, you know, like, we're, we're, you know, you, you, you go this like tit for tat bullshit yeah. over, you know, and the police are always going to fuck you over. And like, you guys have to like, you know, we, we, we need to think a little bit beyond this. And right. he's still too angry about, I mean, he's still, he goes off and he's like, well, you know, fuck you guys. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to 
you know, I'm going to do what I need to do. But like there's like this thing about about film, right, which is like something I, I talk a lot about when I talk about like ambiguous endings in movies mm-hmm. where like uh, you can just assume leave a comment if you know who said this. Um, <laughs> the, the, we have comments. Patreon.com slash worst of all. But like essentially like the last image of a film, if you, you, you basically just assume that whatever in that last image just continues to happen. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if it's a movie about addiction, right, like if a guy is getting better at the end, it would be unreasonable for you to assume to be like, oh, well, that's, a, lapse, that's, that's yeah. a movie about how this guy is going to lapse. So I think what was interesting to me about the end of the film was like, it is a movie that has shown us that the police are a racist institution. Mm-hmm. It yes. is a movie that has shown us that they're kind of a detrimental presence. They're, uh, you know, force uh, in the neighborhood. It is a movie that has shown us that the Puerto Rican characters are sort of like victims, vic- more, more victims of the Jets than the Jets yeah. are victims of the Sharks. Even the Jets, they never, ever tell police Right. Anything. Absolutely. Sure, right. right. Even if it means right. the sharks. Right. And this and is they, and, this, and they're told over and over right. again, the sharks will always see more consequences than Absolutely. them. Right. And they're like, we're not yeah. going to fucking talk to you. Which is the right. entire point of the scene with Corey Stoll at the very beginning. It's Absolutely. in yeah. the It's to show yeah. that like, don't no, you, you don't fucking. Yeah. yeah. You have a worse enemy totally. and right. you're not going to bow to that. There's a great yeah. bit in the first, in the 61 movie uh, where the, it's the same scene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as well written. Uh, but <laughs> sure. like, but when they are mouthing off at the cops, the other gang always laughs. Like it's yeah, like they're, they're yeah. both laughing at the cops, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, there's one thing where he goes like, you know, where, where Shrink says something, hey, you know, am I clear? And then Bernardo says, can you translate it into Spanish? And the jets laugh at sure. it, you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah. it's a, uh, you know, because they, they have this, sort of, like, nobody, nobody in this movie likes this, the cops. They don't yeah. like, right. we're, we're handling this. We, we're handling it. You we don't yeah. need you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in fact, in this movie, it's 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 bolstered by the fact by the slum clearance and by the urban development. Right. The, the, right. the state right. is the bad guy here. Yeah. Right. In a big way. So there's a version of this movie where the end is about it goes back to this image of slum clearance. Right. Yeah. That, that's where, what I thought. That's what mm-hmm. I before yeah. finding out about this final shot. That's what I thought I was going to do because it starts with, with these the buildings ball. being right, taken totally. down. Yeah. And so there's a version where, where the where and, the and they talk about it. And I feel pretty. They talk about how they're getting these checks that, yeah, right. that they can cash if they move oh, out. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'm right. not going to yeah, cash really it. Good. I'm not going to fucking yeah. do anything. Which again, like I, you know, it, it, not to fucking talk about Robert Moses too much, but like if you read the Power Broker and you read specifically the section about the way that he cleared out. Uh, so much of the Bronx to build the cross Bronx. That is like the image that sticks in my head from right. that. The image yeah. of these half destroyed buildings, yeah. these tenement houses that people were still living in, yeah. in fucking squalor because they had nowhere else to go. And the next thing that was yeah. going to happen to them was the destruction of their homes. That's the thing that ultimately they're fighting. But there's a version against. of this movie where, where, where what we're looking at here is like, these two gangs realizing that they have more in common right in, in solidarity against yeah. the city pushing them out. You know, there's, there's a version where the last shot is them desecrating one of those fucking signs, right? Sure. There's yeah, a version yeah. where, you know, but, or there's a version where it just ends like the other one where we, where we see them taking the body away yeah. together. The people who like the actual characters who matter, but like, right. but especially in this version, there is like this idea that, they can't outrun fate. Right. And they right. have no control over what their life is going to be tomorrow. Absolutely. And, and instead, you just have Valentina, the, the moral center of the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> handing Chino over to the Chino, who was wronged. Right. Like, absolutely angry, did the wrong yeah. thing. But like, but handing him over. To the police who we have learned yeah. are a corrupt institution. Right. Are, we have been we have been spoken to about how they treat the Puerto Ricans unfairly. So then on top of everything to have this 
the, the moral center of the movie who is a Puerto Rican woman. Right. Yes. Handing the Puerto Rican kid. <laughs> Not only a Puerto Rican woman, but police. it is fucking Rita Moreno, right? Like that, that, it, yeah. there's, a, there's a meta thing the going Puerto on here Rican too. Woman. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the last moment we had with her was that you're all ra- talking to the Jets. Yeah, yeah. You know, you guys grew up here. I've known you since you were little boys. Now, what are you? You're a b- just a bunch of rapists. Yeah. That doesn't even give her a good emotional thrust to mm. be like, okay, the final action that this character is going to take is going to be just kind of walking Chino down the street over to the police well, car. It's right. so hypocritical, too, because the Jets murdered someone and she hid them right. from the cops. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. I do right. not think there is not a single Jet who would have turned Chino over to the police. Right. Yeah. Is, no is, one. Is what get, is because what that gives the whole game away, yeah, right? right? Exactly. You, right. you literally can't and, do right. that and because we've already seen at different points yeah. in the movie, including what happens after the rumble, that the moment that the police find out any sort of sign of gang violence, it's going to get real bad real fast for yeah. both gangs. Right. Yeah, they're covering every street in the West Side. Totally. So the, the last image of the movie, the, like the message that the movie lends us, uh, leaves us with is, this, is, is that the cops are part of restoring order. Right. Part, yeah. The cops right. are part of yeah. this. Like, like, uh, let that, like justice has to be meted out on Chino. That is how we return to like a peaceful. Yeah. He's like the fucking swirl. Christ, right? Like that, that's no, seriously though. But the movie doesn't treat him like the movie. Yeah. The movie treats him like a criminal who has to go to jail. Right. Right. And it's yeah. like, it, it's the very last shot of the movie is, is, is sort of supportive of, the system in the way the rest of the movie is not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was very jarring to see that. And it was very jarring then to have like, again, this like Puerto Rican character yeah. turn another Puerto Rican kid over to the police. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a very, it was a super, uh, it doesn't feel organic to her character. No, either. But it, and it was, it just and didn't it, feel, it was a very even, weird pro Even just like the, the even just like pro-com. the basic emotions of the scene don't make any sense. Yeah. What is this? Why is that the center of our final moment of right. the play? Everything just kind of drifts off. Yeah. And then the credits roll, even without the thematic elements and you can't avoid the thematic right. elements because it's just right. so bizarre. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm saying too, is like yeah. the thing about if it were, if it were what we saw before we saw the guys take if the last image yeah. we saw, then we would like have that would be the, the last thing we were left with is is the unity of the two gangs. Right. Yeah. But it's the, that's not the thing that Spielberg leaves us with. This thing that Spielberg leaves us with <laughs> is the police just, arresting the guy who killed Tony. Yeah, who, imagine. And imagine. it's just such a, and it's so it's done in such a boring way, too. Mm, it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's just like we oh, walk. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't even show anything. This way. Right. Right. Just, there you go. It's you, like, imagine if Romeo and Juliet ended with. Uh, never has there been a tale of more woe than that of uh, Juliet and her Romeo. Also, Friar Lawrence just got arrested for giving <laughs> these kids poison. AJ, I am so thrilled to tell you this. Oh, he did get arrested originally, at least. In the, no I, don't, I don't know if the Italian story has him arrested, but the English translation of it has him and the nurse arrested for their part and in that's the, the, that's the end of the play. Yeah, would you believe that the author was a Protestant of, of the book? That that Shakespeare adapted into the play. That Shakespeare was obviously like that's fucking stupid. Yeah, because Shakespeare yeah. knew how to write a play. Usually, yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> even in this case, oh, where I don't like how did you get, so get out of my head? He figured it out eventually. Yeah. So it's like on every single level, it's just baffling. Yeah. yeah. The the action of the scene is strange. The the the, the emotional content of it, and certainly the thematic content. Why? Why Stephen? 
Why Wait, Steve? That, like, here's a guy. Here's a guy whose last shot in Munich, right, was pulling away from the two characters talking, and you see the World Trade Center. Munich, right? by the way, which we'll be talking about in a few weeks. Yeah, Spoilers. he knows how to end a fucking movie, right? Yeah. He 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 yeah. did well, the shot mean, of the right? fucking like not, Lost Ark being dragged into the warehouse. Yeah, Everything, come on, it's, it's yeah. very intentional. It's yeah, not like it's it's he knows he knows what he's doing. Image we, yes. that he wants. Yes. To and I would love to be in his head for why that's. No idea why it's so, the final image. Uh, there's, it's so, yeah, I don't know. One of the things that happens with these Disney remakes, or so I hear, where they try to make them woke or like more feminist or whatever, mm-hmm. they end up tripping on their own dick, and it, it's worse somehow. Yeah. Well, I, I, does I, that happen with West Side Story, in your opinion? I don't Ooh. think West Side Story is worse than the other <laughs> what West Side Story. <laughs> I do think I yeah, do you, think, you don't have anyone like putting on like the darkest that. makeup that they can uh, find. And, <laughs> no, I, Natalie Wood is a pretty low bar. I, I do think that a lot of the attempts to smooth over uh, the racism in the original uh, sort of serve the purpose of pointing up how racist the original is. Yeah. Uh, mm, I, I, think, absolutely. I think I think there's like one thing that happens with America that I really think is very funny is that they try what they, so in the original the women are upset because their boyfriends are all in a gang and like that's yeah, right you know and it sucks and like okay and they get they get into this song where maria says like you know like i or sorry where anita is like they're gonna go to they're gonna fight because of Mar- because of maria and like and fuck this and i would never want to go back why do you guys want to go back right and she yeah. gets into this song uh and that song is a problem right <laughs> yeah um on a number of levels. Uh, on a number of levels. <laughs> right, because, I mean, and to be honest, like the first time Sondheim's writing it, here's this 20-year-old Jewish kid just writing essentially a song where one side makes its case, the other side makes its case, and he's not really giving any kind sure. of thought to well, what that means. And I also and think there's something, out, yeah. there's something interesting yeah. there, I think, also in like Sondheim's milieu of like probably hearing older people complain about the old country. Yeah, sure. In a way that true. is not loaded down with like the baggage that like Puerto Ricans actually faced in in coming right. over here. And but I think that like in the new one, what ends up happening is like Ariana Ariana Deposes Anita like is a businesswoman. She wants to start a new business here, and she has like yeah. opportunity, and she yeah. does not want to go to Puerto Rico and just be uh, the mother to Bernardo's kids, uh, right. which is like interesting, but also like in their attempt to make up for what leads into the song, uh, just like make a like statement about how like Puerto Rican men are like macho. Yeah. And like like yeah. want women yeah. in the kitchen on mm-hmm. with like barefoot in the kitchen, which is like not like it's not it is it is an over it is a overcorrection of wokeness in one direction <laughs> yeah. and, right. and that, that ends up tripping uh into being like regressive again. And it creates yeah. a series of additional <laughs> dramaturgical problems that aren't necessarily laid out in the play as written. But but then again, I think later do this interesting thing where she uh where again, like I don't like the way it's written, but I do like that they turn her assault into also a moment where she cannot escape from the fact that America is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. You know, and, 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 and it is a, it's a turning point in her character also uh, where she realizes for the first time, the like depths of like the problem she's in he living here uh, yeah. as an immigrant, you know? So there's, I think there's a, there's a number of moments like that. Like, I think, I think there's like making the sharks like, possibly affiliated with Puerto Rican nationalists. Right. They're like, they're like, like politically cool. active right, as right, opposed yeah. to just being teenagers like in a gang destroying their lives. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, but also then that's like, well, 
okay, but the, like, <laughs> yeah. So then what is that? Okay. But there's like implications to that that are interesting that don't get explored. I think the way that I, when I found, when I looked at the track list and was like, oh no, they're singing <laughs> La Boringenia in this. <laughs> uh, I thought like, this is just not a good container. The, mm. This musical is not a good container for these yeah, sure. ideas. So it was striking to me that like they were seemed to be politically affiliated in some way. Uh, but the movie does not discuss that yeah. in any, in any kind of like that's, that's, there's a lot of heavy implications, especially because as I said, a few years before this was, was, you know, this, this takes place, a bunch of people infiltrated Congress, uh, Congress yeah, right, and, yeah. and shot it up, you know, yeah. uh, uh, there was an, there was an attempt on, on, on President Truman's life uh, over the, over the decades preceding this, there were a number of like bombings and U.S. military massacres on the island. And, you know, like, uh, and so like when you open this box, you're, you're bringing a lot of stuff into it that now, now not talking about it makes is, seems very apparent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. It feels very like you're, you're, oh, it, 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 uh, suddenly th all of that is part of this and it, it's, it sits poorly on the musical <laughs> sure yeah the foundations it, it, it's cracked you, like, yeah, you yeah to, this is i mean maybe this is too trite to, to ask but it's like should west side story just kind of go on the shelf well yeah right exactly <laughs> are, are we, a, is everyone just better off if we kind of pack it away yeah. and maybe theaters just produce your work which would be cheaper <laughs> yeah and also like <laughs> you guys would be getting in on the God. ground floor of of one of the, seriously one of just produce Matt's yeah. work for Jesus for really fucking sake. I should produce <laughs> my plays at the very beginning too, which was yeah. the question that I had when I saw that Steven Spielberg was doing a fucking West Side Story adaptation. <laughs> Why do this play in the year of our Lord twenty twenty? Students on UPR were saying that same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that this was happening, you know, this was being filmed at the same time that uh, a Dutchman was Oof. putting on his weird, like, minimal, trying to make no points version of West Side Story, right? Where his whole thing was just like... as much water on stage for a high <laughs> dance show as possible. Let's put electrics on there. Let's well, try and I kill think, these kids. I think, I think uh, Eva von Hove, uh, I think, saying that he made no points... I think Eva von Hove has that weird thing uh, of a lot of uh, European directors taking on, like, American work, which is like, well, just take the race out of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. take just take you, you know so like, it's just, we we need to talk about the it's just like it's the story. The story is beautiful. The story is Romeo and Juliet. The race stuff yeah. is the point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what you know. Yeah. It's and uh and so when you start to remove like the things that make it the thing, if you make the witches real, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a problem, right? You don't it's it's not the play anymore. Um just release a I wolf on stage. So, I miss the wolf. The Times did a really interesting piece where they had a bunch of people come together to talk about this. It was Matt Lopez. It was a couple of Puerto Rican cultural critics and, uh, and, and it was Jesse Green. Uh, oof. Oh no. Oh. That's an oof the size of Texas. So, but like <laughs> notoriously a very race sensitive, uh, critic. <laughs> Jesse the thing, Green. But the thing about, uh, you know, it was, it was such a, it was a weird thing because it was an article about like, should we talk about West is West Side Story racist? It's asking, it, and it's asking should, the question. Should we, should we like still do it? Right. And a bunch yeah. of culture critics, you know, Matt Lopez saying, like, you know, I think Matt Lopez being from the mainland, like myself, yeah. is like, I have a complicated relationship with this piece. Yeah. And Matt Lopez has actually written an interesting uh, derivative work about, I think his his grandfather Ooh. was a background in, in the movie. Oh, oh, wow. And so he has a piece about, like, he wrote a play about that, oh, but also growing fuck. up, growing up in that neighborhood as it was getting 
Yeah. Like, you know, but I mean, like a really tough read of like where you just watch Jesse Green say like this having this conversation is ridiculous and the Jets are also treated stereotypically. Well, you know, like musicals aren't realistic. So Jesse what are you Green do? hashtag all lives matter. I, I really hated that part where Tony couldn't screw in a light bulb. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Do not cut that. That's that's good. Good. Oh. It. Uh, it's just like more jets just kept showing up. <laughs> Action. I, I, know, I, 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 think you gotta get I don't know. How do you screw it all like that? I'm waiting for you to turn it left. <laughs> I that mean, was a good riff. It's a great riff. Oh, God. Classic worst oh, possible world riff wow. right there. There is an interesting case to be made that we're like over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most important thing, I, I don't know, I, I don't think like anything ever goes on the shelf forever, but like I, I do think it just has to be stewarded by Puerto Rican artists sure. yeah. in the future. Yes. Um, I think that any sort of problematic, you know, Porgy and Bess is yeah. best handled by mm. by African American yeah, artists. Absolutely. Uh, because it's a it's a musical with a lot of impact that a lot of people have complicated relationships to. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and ultimately it's it's uh, the people who are going to be negatively affected by it who should sort of figure it out how it exists in the future. Evo gets so much license to to manipulate works yeah. that go far beyond like what you would usually see in a production. That's because he's because Dutch. he's Dutch. But like he does it in America. Yeah. You know, and I wonder, can that ever be extended to like a Puerto Rican artist who wants to use like major parts of the intellectual property? But, you know, including the music or even the dance. Right. But to do something that iterates on it rather than simply being a revival of. Yeah. Or to to put it another much more direct way, could a Puerto Rican director and playwright get the same license that Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg were able to get on West Side Story. Yeah. Especially now that all the creatives are dead. Except for Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg. No, I mean, the original. I mean, <laughs> the, the original. original creators. No, I mean, seriously. Arthur Lawrence and, you yeah. know, like, what West do you think? Everybody. And like, what would it take for that to yeah. be a reality? I think reading that piece in the Times and then remembering like the actual roles of the people involved, the person who is the most staunchly in defense of the musical and who thinks everybody's uh, culturally derived uh, criticisms and sort of pain around it are ridiculous is uh yeah the critic at the times mm-hmm. yeah and and then you know and and also look at stuff like eva von hoves that as you said like just like was like well what if the gangs were not what they are <laughs> um, <laughs> what if nothing is the way yeah, yeah. That, that it is that was okay what if screens <laughs> i need uh, more screens what if you know i think there's still a strong sense that like an artist of color doing something is political uh and a what and, and, and inherently a, a, inherently yeah, yeah. A, well sure well, in, in a way that like a, a white artist doing something uh, is considered to be devoid of politics. Yeah. Uh, that like Absolutely. there, there is a, there is such a thing as like a neutral creative choice that comes out of a white artist uh, <laughs> that it is not informed by other things. Yeah. You know, uh, Elena Schwarzky, who's one of the writers who is in that article, you know how she's, she's just biased. Right. Yeah. But you know, because she's Puerto Rican, she's, she's, she's too biased. As to opposed opine. to Jesse Green of the failing New York times who has no bias whatsoever. <laughs> well, right. well, it's the thing. It's like, it's this idea that like I am white, so I am neutral as opposed to yeah. like I am white. And so actually I also have a very culturally informed viewpoint on these things. And so I think, especially on Broadway, you, there's a, a resistance to classic musicals being changed uh, yeah. unless they are in the hands 
of a trusted white person. Yeah. For some the reason, m- they're trusting Evo Von Hove. <laughs> the more, the a very more, untrustworthy white person, by token the, of the fact that he's Dutch. The yes. more problematic the musical, the more important it is to preserve mm. it for these people, right? Yeah. This yeah. idea that, like, I know that there are problems, and so we must protect those problems mm-hmm. from the yeah. SJWs. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah. Oklahoma like is considered i don't think people think of it as problematic or as political in the yeah. same way yeah right. uh, and so this production that took a lot of liberties uh that people were not super happy with all of them but some people super like yeah it was it was able to you know like you, you get you get a lot of like company you know uh mm-hmm. you know yeah. you can you can right. change the gender of the but i think that there is a real sense of like if something is a political like hot button we have to keep it from people who want to fix it we have to make sure it's a classic it is beautiful it is everything that i remember from my childhood don't take away this thing i like don't make me think about this thing i like when i when i liked this thing it was fine yep no one told me it was bad and so now it is the people who have problems with it that are bad and even because i can't be wrong i can't have (sighs) a changing opinion about a piece of art it has to right and it's a lot of it too comes down to like issues of nostalgia it's like People have, with musicals especially, there's, and, and I, I noticed this particularly with the canon, right? With like R&H, there is yeah. this deep-seated... Rogers and Hart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like the Mikado, you see this a lot with like... Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Gilbert and Sullivan, right? Like, right, right. The, the, there's something that we really need to protect. It's the oh, complicated... God. And robust works of fucking Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> but what I wanted to say here is that for a lot of people, and specifically, yeah. honestly, for a lot of white people, the things that they find core to that show, the songs, the characters, the dance, the, the dance. Yes. In many cases. Yeah. Everything in, in the same way that we see this around a lot of pop culture. Yeah. You know, we see this with games. We see this with movies. We see this with so many different things where people see the entirety of the thing and they have become so attached to that thing in its entirety. It has shaped their perspectives. It has shaped what they believe that good art is. And so it's scary to let any of it go. And that fear yeah. is the ultimate animating force. Well, and they adapted as part of their personality too. If there's something wrong with the thing, then there must be, because I yeah. enjoyed it, there must yeah. be something wrong with me. So they take it as a personal attack, which never gets anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's the art is not you. So, so Matt, I want to, I want to ask you because like your journey with this show is, I mean, this was a, this was a West side story was a big part of your life in some way. It was something that you were aware of that you then started to develop more complicated feelings about. And, and you write about it and you write about a lot of the complex things that you engage with differently as an adult, right? You have a lot of work that engages with the Bible um, or Catholicism in general, <laughs> comic books. If you've, you've uh, read it, right? Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And Star Trek's better. And, <laughs> and one, one of these many fascinations that you interact with is of course, West side story, mm-hmm. how you've iterated on like ideas about like Maria and her life after. Mm-hmm. Is this something that, that you feel obligated to <laughs> because you're in this industry and like, it's something that, that it, there might be an expectation that you interact with. Or is it something that is, is still like something that you're actually actively processing? I think it's an interesting. Uh, I keep saying like it's an interesting. <laughs> I'm very aware. It's okay. Of like this the verbal the thing is, we all say it all the time. Next time you listen to a podcast, you'll hear it over and over and over uh, again. No, I'm never listening to a podcast again, though. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Um, this is that's it. what we want. <laughs> Cursed <I>, Earth. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> no more Broadway musicals. No more podcasts. We're done. No more white people. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, we love white genocide, don't we, folks? I, no, we uh, sure do. I, um, I don't know that I feel obligated, though I do feel there is kind of an inevitability for the stage in the way that there is often going to be conversation with with influences uh inevitable conversation around identity uh mm. when you're writing about identity um and and there's also i think like uh it is so much a part of like the history of the medium that any sort of like interaction with the medium on the topic of like puerto rican identity uh is going to like you know like west side story sorry in the heights is always going to be Mm-hmm. I think compared often favorably to West Side Story, but compared nonetheless, yeah. you know, um, yeah. I think a lot of the narrative around in the Heights is like that. It's like, finally, you know, <laughs> but it's like, right. but that's, yeah. but it's, but it's part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, because it is such a big part of like the presence of like Puerto Ricanness in media, in, in theater. It's something that I come back to a lot because it, it makes it a useful like vehicle. It's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting tool uh, to talk about things. Right. So I, I think um, in Natalie Wood is not Puerto Rican. It is a way to discuss the like divide between Puerto Ricans born here and Puerto Ricans like still living on the Island yeah. uh, mm-hmm. sort of, and, and this, this, this more recent wave of, of migration, especially since Hurricane Maria, it's been um, a very potent kind of way for me to process. I think like, um, like Americans conceptions of Puerto Rico, of, of Puerto Ricans living here, of, of people who move here. Uh, Maria specifically is such a, uh, such a, such a potent symbol of what we have thought of Puerto Ricans, Puerto Rican women. What, what makes her such a potent symbol? What is it I about think, her specifically? I think there's, I mean, I think, I think the ubiquity of West Side Story uh, has made her like the iconic yeah. Puerto Rican woman. Uh, and I think that like a lot of subsequent representations sort of like owe a lot to her i think there's a lot of interesting there's a lot to her uh you know there's a lot a lot of uh this idea of being willful but also being beautiful of being uh like sexually and romantically available to white men anita i think is like anita's like the the like sexy world weary version but maria is the naive immigrant who doesn't know the ways of america right and and wants to be shown the and and because of her ubiquity and because of how familiar people are with West Side Story, um, even in the in the sort of scant realm of Latinx representation, so much of it is like Chicano, uh, yeah. you know, Mexican American yeah. uh, yeah. in the country, and I think a lot of people, especially outside of New York City, like don't or the tri-state area, like don't, I guess Florida too, don't have like a like a context for 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 Puerto Ricanness, and so like West Side Story is like constantly referenced in discussions of like New York, in discussions of sure. like gang culture, in discussions of like being Puerto Rican, and so. When Hurricane Maria laid bare a lot of the like weird attitudes and kind of like, I think, general confusion and ignorance about the U.S.'s relationship to Puerto Rico, about the history of Puerto Rico and the U.S., about like what are the U.S. government's obligations to the island, Mm. about, Mm. you know, even simple things like are Puerto Ricans citizens, a weird insistence 
that Puerto Rico should be a state. We need to make Puerto Rico a state. Yeah. Puerto Rico has to be a state like D.C. D.C. should be a state. Absolutely. Well, because they're all going to be Democrats. They're, they're all going to give Democrats. me yeah. they're going to give me my electoral votes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. They're going to. Right. They're going to give me my. Anyway, they're going to be there's a, That's going to be a rude awakening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that island is not. They're not all going to vote for President Kamala Harris. Come on. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. They um, it's a. Uh, it's uh, it's fraud. Uh, and so I think um, because of West Side Story's like prominence in the wider U.S. conception of Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Like I find myself coming back again and again to to Maria, to the to the sharks um, and to in, in sort of like processing it through like derivative work. And like so speaking of your work, where can people find you're you're published somewhere, right? Uh, no, I'm. I have yes, a, you are. I have a fucking book with a play of that's yours. True. You have a book with a with a short play of mine. I, I if you can it's about to say, there's no way you're not fucking Red published. Bull, Red Bull Theater has an okay. has a couple of anthologies from their from their um their short play competitions. Uh, and so I think Red Bull Anthology Volume Three has yeah. look, the look best for, volume. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, with a catchy title like that, um, <laughs> it gives you wings. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Not, not nearly <laughs> as good of a title as flug tag. Uh, yeah. um. <laughs> it, my, my short play, um, uh, a list of some shit I've killed, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. which is like an adaptation of some Greek stuff is in there. If you are a theater person, I am on new play exchange. Uh, you can sign you, up. It's not expensive. It's not expensive. Not expensive. You get to read them. You get to read really AJ's plays. plays. Oh, yeah. Boo. I think, no, I think Brian's aren't plays. on there because oh, uh, no, I haven't. Uh, my credit card expired, and so I think I <laughs> <laughs> Brian's not there anymore. No, um, he's recently so, uh, uh, the twenty-four hour plays. Um, oh um, yeah, is that yeah. Yeah. Yes. anywhere? Yeah, so they they just recently uh, re-uploaded it because they came to an agreement with awesome. Actors Equity that allowed them to put up some stuff in perpetuity. Oh, fantastic! Uh, Fuck so, yeah, uh, we'll link so, it in the show notes. And, and, and it was a staff pick, right? It was specifically like yes, they so were like this is like and they were like cool. This was one something from the archives we want to put up that was uh, forever. that was all the way back in 2020 that was right? all the way back in the back back in 2020 i was yeah. reached to do uh a 24-hour monologue uh and found out uh that they were pairing me with raul esparza <laughs> yeah of hannibal fame <laughs> it's a beautiful play it's, about yeah. uh you know a, a, a man who is doing his best to get over a death in the family through food. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Matt, I never, I don't know if I ever actually even told you this, but when I watched that, it was in a very deep depression in the pandemic and it really like, it allowed me to like feel my emotions fully. And I, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. And you oh, should, thank you. you should check it out. So I think, the, <laughs> so I think the lesson that we should all walk away with tonight. Yeah. Having talked about, uh, West Side Story is forget it. Go check out what Matt wrote. <laughs> I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs> folks we've got links to matt's work in the episode notes and over on twitter follow him over there at barbo robot a name that still gives me a headache anyway this show is brought to you not by uh the dutch unless i mean some of our patrons are dutch that's right it's brought to you by patrons over at patreon including some of our newest patrons tin can hitman pippo 
Noah Bruckner, Last Man on Earth 01, and Jesse Tate, with a very special thank you to Silverbear909, Ashley Stoneman, Dara Swisher, John John Johnson, Nikola Donov, Hanna White, Timmy Sexton, and Tony Diddy. Keep it cool, boys. Real cool.